Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. Back for another week of the fifth and last NRL podcast, and uh, a bit different this week, Brock. Getting in early, a little bit earlier, yeah. Bit of a uh, shuffle with work, as has been the last few weeks. And I also had some people start messaging us about game companions and other bits and pieces. And uh, the answer for that one is we'd like to do more, but again, with weekend work and other bits and pieces going on, uh, it's not always easy to watch games live at the moment, let alone get in the same room at the same time. Man, I'm, so, I'm watching all mine live. Uh, I'm not, not around work, but I'll try in the next few weeks. If we have a weekend or two, we'll try and pick out a couple of games for the back end of the year and get a couple of companions done. Some of the fans that are asking for them out there, but not even team lists out at this point in time. It's about 1.30 Tuesday afternoon. So well, bit... we, don't, we don't do a lot of team lists anyway. No, but I'm just saying a few things may change in between now and then and when people get the podcast, but we'll do our best with what we've got available to us at this time, but kicking off as we always do with the set of six, six thoughts, opinions, anything we want to talk about from the weekend and tackle one of that set of six for me, Brock, is just the latter. The top three have now separated themselves by two wins. No real surprise there. I think those three so far on consistency and play have been the best three sides. The top six are still separate two wins or Well, top three, let's let's name them. Storm, Penrith... Eels, the next three, Roosters, Raiders, Canberra, Newcastle. And then you've got Newcastle with a draw, which technically keeps them two clear of ninth. Yeah. So even with Well, the three injuries, points clear with what nine to play, 18 points available. Yeah. So 15 points. It's going is, to be hard for that, them to fall out. Yeah, it's not, it's well, not impossible, but of that top five, I'd think they're the only one who's at any risk. Yeah. Um, and then you've obviously got... Well, they are, considering that they got yes. outclassed by Canterbury. And they've got a couple of injuries. But yeah. The other ones, I guess, we have from there, the bottom five we spoke about, they're all gone. The only one who's not in that log jam, which involves Cronulla, Manly, South and the Tigers, who has any mathematical chance, you'd assume, is the Dragons. And they dropped they dropped one on the weekend, yeah. which they needed to win, realistically, to pull themselves into that, because that would have kept the Sharks on five, yeah. them on five, and they would have been right in the mix. Dragons coach Paul McGregor, obviously, filthy uh, with that try, but to me it happened early enough in the contest that enough time. Shit call. It is a shit call. It, um, you, it, it did impact the game, but they yeah. had long enough to to get it sorted. They had two opportunities late, which they bombed. Cronulla did everything they could to possibly lose that game, mm. and uh, the Dragons weren't good enough to win it. So, uh, look, uh, you can yeah, again, you can point to the call, and it was a bad call. It no was argument. Bad call. No uh, argument but same as what we said in the early the year, their attitude, why the sudden turnaround now? Why yeah. is the playing But group? I don't think that call would have been as such an issue if they had won. No, and I also think it so. probably would have been highlighted even more if it was in the 70th minute rather than... Yeah, I get that, but it's also it's hard game. enough to win games in the yeah, NRL without having those sort I'm of not, calls going I'm trying to show. take that away from him, but... Um, but yeah. and also to concede twenty eight points or whatever it was like four tries is um, 
you know, it's, it's too many. Their that defense was, has got to be better. That was my next point. Probably the biggest concern, I think, for them is a couple of weeks in a row they've had a glut period where when their bench comes on and they've made a couple of yeah. changes, they've just leaked like a sieve. And they did exactly the same thing again over the weekend. But realistically, I don't see any of those top three falling away unless they have severe injury or issues. You think they're basically locked into the top four yeah. with the way things are going. Out of those next three, Newcastle clearly have some errors or issues Sorry, now with the hooker situation. Chris Randall showed he was perfectly capable in that game against Penrith when they were short, making 70-something tackles and been plenty busy. But well, he's going to have to do it now. I, I, have, more, have, I have more concerns, again, just on the attitude side of things. And O'Brien piped up quite viciously after the game and has been very vocal, I guess, and very lively in the box the last few weeks, questioning that they think that they're entitled and their attitude in general is not good enough. And um, I guess he's experiencing a little bit of what Nathan Brown experienced at the back end there with the playing group. And they've had two games realistically you'd look at now against the Cowboys and the Dogs and say, you should have won those. And they've given two up. So you'd think that top four plus the injuries now, they may have shot themselves in the foot. Absolutely. Yeah. I think yeah. out of the Raiders and the Roosters, I have a little bit of hope for the Raiders. They've shown... Some yeah, I don't, I don't think they can... No, nah, yeah. but they've shown some fight. And then you talk about they, Bateman they, yeah. coming back and getting Harrower and Iowa. They're potentially getting two good troops. And then, as mentioned the other week, I know Hodgson is the big talking point, but I also think, again, that out of all the hookers and a lot of the hype and the praise, I think Hodgson not being there, if anything, kind of frees things up a bit. I think at times, if anything, Hodgson probably overplays his hand, tries to dominate the side too much. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't think the halves were great on the weekend, but the two hookers... They've got do more than a solid enough job. Starling brings something different to Harvili. Harvili gets him pushing over the advantage line, playing physical. Starling plays well above his weight. He's got the ability to get out. I think you add those two guys back into the mix. And the defensive resolve, again, which we just don't associate with the Raiders up until last year, which they're showing again, I think they could possibly jag that fourth spot over the Roosters. The Roosters, I think... We're seeing that downside of what we talked about before in the fact that when they have their full squad and they can rotate their players, they've got a couple of guys there that do have chronic issues that they generally manage. But mm. in this year and with the injuries they've got, people like Boyd Cordner can't afford to rest with his knee. And now he's got a concussion problem that they're going to rest in this week. You've had Teddy who they've been able to rest. You've got Friend who's now the last one and has his own issues. Brett Morris has got a chronic knee issue. They've lost Tupo. Crichton's out for a bit. So with the fact they're not able to rotate as much, I think there's a little more stress on a few of those top-end guys who generally probably get a little more rest. And I think I said as much to you last week, I think they'll probably try and steal a little bit of rest maybe during the weeks and their load. But they're looking a little bit... Well, I think they're all looking a little bit fragile. The only yeah. two that aren't are Pender from Parra. They don't have a lot of injuries at the moment. They're very young, good depth. <clears throat> yeah, so. and I think the hope for Canberra is that the other teams above them have significant injuries as well. Yeah. But, I like, Canberra... I think they really the focus for them now should be trying to pinch that fourth spot. If yep. they can get in and pinch that fourth spot, two blocks, it's a cherry. game changer. They get you know, they can get some of those guys back, uh, and it it just gives them that little bit of a um, mm. little bit of cushion in the finals. I think that's key. If they can finish fourth, I still really I struggle to see them winning it, but they're a hell of a lot better chance of winning it to finish there. Significantly, they've also had. A win over the Roosters, who are, they're in a battle for that position with the Roosters. Yeah, so they've, they've won a couple of even. games. Um, Newcastle are now looking as though they're going to slide. So realistically, it's going to come down to that battle, Roosters, Roosters Raiders, and out of that other uh, one. And the Roosters at the moment look just as damaged in terms of injuries as what the Raiders do. Mm-hmm. They look just as fatigued 
uh, and they're probably playing with a little bit less enthusiasm. The the win over the Roosters last week was all enthusiasm. Mm. They won that just through grit, toughness, well, their last three and a will to win. They've been in and won two of them yeah. purely on defense and effort, and they obviously. I, lost I even the thought on the weekend, like they South had a thousand chances to 100%. win that game, but Cambridge kept well, turning them away. Yeah, so and, well. and that's that's the difference at this point in time, but. From my point of view, you you need to look at that that key number, that nineteen point number. Um, and you know, privately, I every week I sort of look and you look at how many teams lose when they score nineteen points or more. And the, the, I think it, this week it was only the Dragons that lost yeah. while scoring, scoring more than more. nineteen points. So that eighteen nineteen point number is is the key one. Yep. And you know, I've sat in a few. Um, coaching seminars and stuff where, you know, you've heard Wayne Bennett, Bellamy, those guys talk about that magical number of 18. Get to 18 and prevent the te- other team from scoring 18. And it's, it's not a lot of points. It's it's not a lot of points to score, but for a lot of these teams, they're finding it very difficult to prevent the other side from scoring 18 points. So that's really the key. That's the one thing that I really like about Canberra. Mm. I think they're... The defensive resolve is out It's not so much how good they are technically or structurally. They just fucking scramble. fight hard. Mm-hmm. On every single play. So I think that's going to keep them in a lot longer than what their injuries probably say they should be I also in this think competition. Another underrated thing, said this preseason as well, though, when you get a good group of kids come through, you may be blooding them earlier than you would like, but sometimes that's better than having a couple of guys you don't think you could trust. So you've seen Valame, who's very, very early on. We've seen Hudson Young after his two suspensions getting in earlier. Kind of boost up. We've seen now Harley Smith Shields debut on the weekend, Darby Medlin, Kai O'Donnell. They're starting to push in guys maybe a little bit early, but they've clearly got a good opinion of them because a lot of guys generally go out by some edge guys who've already played some NRL, yeah. whereas they've preferred to push through this crop of guys from their flag and 18 systems the last few years who have had good results, played some cup football, um, and similar to the Roosters the last couple of years with those injuries, it's only better they get educated early because yeah. it makes your top 30 better again for the season moving forward. And look, you look at last year's final series, the Raiders conceded 10 points against Melbourne, had the week off, conceded 10, 10 points, points against the Rabbitohs, 14 in the grand final. Yep. That's that's a formula to win the Defense. premiership. And I, you know, and it's only, I think the only the Roosters had a better record. Mm. Roosters conceded 8, 6, and then in week 1, 6. And I think the other thing to be taken away, which we've now got off the sample size of the season. We've got everyone's like, the game's so much faster, the game's so much faster. The ruck speed... It's more defense. It's, the, it's, the, the, the ruck speed actually has not changed at all. The ball's just in play for longer, so there's more fatigue. So mm-hmm. your defensive effort and resolve, like you're saying, forget stats that people use going, oh, they miss this many tackles or ineffective and all that. Yeah. None of that shit matters because I'm pretty sure the Raiders, if you look in the stats from the weekend, would have had more misses or more ineffective I tackles. Don't, I, don't care, I care about possession. Yeah, but their scramble efforts and all the rest of it, those possession numbers Possession and are points irrelevant. conceded. Yeah, but those numbers are irrelevant when yeah, you right. cover up. Like Melbourne some weeks have bad numbers. That's why that, I get frustrated. Oh, he ran this many, this many. Like, I don't care. So, give, give, me, give me effective data, data that holds like holds water. I also think... You know, and what holds water is defence. Hmm. Points conceded, points scored. And Canberra at the moment are, are riding that fight, and that's why I just won't give up on Melbourne either. I know no, I won't we give both up. tipped them to win it at the you know at the restart. But they're, they're made. But that's the one thing that worries me about Penrith and Para. Adversity is that they no they just they tend to leak a little as well. Look at on the weekend, the yeah. Gold Coast had a little bit of possession. They went bang bang before halftime. They like, were missing a fair and the few Gold players, Coast. I will say that though. the Gold Coast. Yeah, but it shouldn't matter. Like look at Canberra, yeah, they plug in, plug out. I know that result's still there. So that's the only thing with that. Youth and that lack of experience in big games that Penrith and Parramatta have got. That's the only question mark I've got over them. In a big game, if they've got to run into 
I'm talking Penrith Parramatta, if they've got to run into the Roosters, Melbourne, Canberra, can they prevent them and can they score in those big games? Pressure situations. So that's all going to be answered because, like you said, we've got three clear. We've got another three that are really probably fighting out for fourth position. So we've got six there locked in. Out of that six, you'd say they're the only six that really can win it. Yeah. And then you're really talking about a group of seven or eight that are just battling to finish seventh and eighth. And probably get beat in that first round. Well, I don't even think we've got that sort of group. Like, I think Newcastle... I think we've probably got five. I think I'd now take Newcastle out of that six. I I just can't see how they win it losing three hookers. And that's nothing on on Newcastle. And they just haven't been consistent enough either. They should have enough with what they've got there. I know hookers a key spot, but they've had Mm. instability there the whole time. But with Pierce, Ponga, Clemmer, Daniel to come back with Jacob, who's playing well, Barnett now back, etc., they should hold Yeah, but in. I just think the nine position has become I know that, more influential. I'm saying they should stay in the eight, though. If they fell out of the eight, that'd be an absolute disaster. Yeah. But I look at the other group of four, and I'm probably going to say... Well, I'll say this. I think they're more likely to fall out of the eight than they are to land in the four. Well, I think that's a given. I'm not even giving them a chance of making the four now. Mm. They're definitely out of the four, but I don't see them falling out of the eight. But of that other group... Well, and that's more around who who's going to come up beneath them, not so much their form, is it? Yeah, well, the only thing going in their favour, which, West back, Tigers. which already backfired on the weekend, is a lot of people said they've had their hard games, their easier runs coming, but they've just dropped the game against the team in the comp that was coming dead last. So yeah. they've dispelled that rumour already. They've already dropped two games to two teams they shouldn't have lost to. But then you get a result against Manly in a hard game or you get a draw against the Panthers. So Well, West Tigers, Rabbitohs, Dragons are the teams that are below them. Well, this so is what I was about to say. Go into that group. They play the West Tigers next week. Go to that group of four for me. The Dragons are probably... The least likely. So I'm going to wipe them. I'm not saying it's completely impossible, but that result on the weekend definitely hurts. Manly. So you've got Manly, Cronulla, South Tigers. Cronulla and Manly have just jumped in on six wins. Yeah. Just outside, you've now got South and Tigers on five. Well, Newcastle are playing all these teams around them in the next few weeks. There you go. Next four or five weeks. Out of that group of four, who do you think would be more likely to pull up into seventh and eighth out of Sharks, Manly, South and the Tigers? I think Manly, Manly now they're starting to pull some troops I'd say Manly and the Tigers. Manly and the Tigers. All right. I think I think I had a look last week at what was coming up, and the Tigers for me again just they, they compete in those games, but they just can't seem to close them out against Sharks, anyone yeah. in the top eight. Well, I think, Newcastle are going to control their. I'm just looking through the draw here. I'd say Manly. Newcastle are going to control their own destiny, and I'd say it's down to Sar, South and the Sharks. Who would you lock in? I'd lock in Manly. I reckon Manly will find a way in, but then I think it's down to the Sharks and South, and I think Souths why again have a. So you don't think the Tigers will get in? No, I don't. I think they'll miss. Interesting. I just think again that those games they keep dropping. They need to jag. I'm concerned about Newcastle now. I've got, I've got to be honest with you. I'm really concerned about Newcastle falling out, and maybe three of those teams get in. Because now looking here now, Newcastle play I think the Roosters and the Storm who are above them, yep. and then they play all those teams that are around them, sort of from the Cowboys, Cowboys, Tigers, Manly. Um, they play Warriors, Titans. So there are a couple of games that you think they pinch, but. They play a lot of teams who are around yeah, them. Trying to pull themselves Rabbitohs. Um, yeah, Sharks. So it's going to be really, really interesting. I really like the 20-round draw. No game means nothing anymore. Yeah. You look at the impact of that Dogs. You know, Dogs Newcastle, you probably turn the TV on on, on Sunday and go, ugh, what well, a stinker. It's, it's look at the influence the that that's now had. And look at the influence it's had on the bottom of the ladder because, you know, I said to you last week, I need Canterbury to... Um, Canterbury to jag a couple of games, and we sort of looked and thought, oh, you know, there's not not many that they're going to, and that's why I, I, I don't like to look at the draw because no games are given, and they're going to have even more impact in the in the way the competition structured this year. So yeah, yeah, it's it, the ladder is 
quite predictable, I think, top and bottom, but that middle section is going to throw up a lot of different chops and changes well, again, and injuries health. and results and health and all that, yeah. Manly have found a way back in. They've got the shuffle right, I think, there in the sense of Elliot finally went back to one. They've got a few of those bench forwards doing a job for him. Fanua Blake back from suspension this week. Tapau starting to play better footy. DCE, even Levi starting to look a little more comfortable. Mm. Um, whether they get Tommy back in the next four weeks or not, whenever that, that happens, it happens. I don't know. But I just think they've got more character and resolve probably than any of those others in that group of four despite a few bad results. The Sharks, to me, are doing the one thing that we talked about, which is they're beating the teams under them and around them, and they're beating them convincingly. So their for and against is going to go a long way, even if they do lose to those above them. But they're going to have to steal one or two, obviously. Yeah. Um, but the Tigers, for me, like you look at that Titans game, and that might be the one at the end of the year we look at and go, well, you lost. Mm. They could miss out by one or four and against or need two points, and it could be a game like that you look at and say, well, the Sharks won all those games. You know, that one could be the difference. Mm. Or for Newcastle, that draw now could end up being the difference between them staying in or falling out, depending on results. Well, they play Warriors, Knights, Dogs, this is the Tigers, Mm. in the next three weeks. I think after that, they have a run of Storm, Roosters. They finish pretty rough, I think. Yeah, Roosters. Panthers. Panthers. So they get to the top end for the back end of the season. Roosters, Panthers, Manly. Manly. Well, that's a team around them. Like, if they want to play finals, they need South. to win. South, another one. So if they want they're to play, the ones they're they win. win. They're it's the more that back win. end. They can jag one of those two against Roosters, Storm. Storm. Um, Roosters, Storm. Who was the other one they played? Panthers. They jag one of them. That throws them Deals. right up. Para. So they've got, so they got to play the top four. Yeah, and a couple around them. Two, two, they really need to... Tigers need to nail those two bottom teams. They need to nail this week, nail the Dogs and then probably go 50-50 for the rest of their games, and they'll get in. They'll have to jag one of those sides around them. They They're probably going to beat two of the top four sides. To get in. If not, they need to beat Manly and They need South. to beat all those teams around them, yeah. And that's, again, that's why I look at that Titans game, and it's no offence to the Titans, but they're the ones, again, you look at and go, you lose that game. Well, the ladder's now differentiated in that the teams with a positive record are in the eight, the teams with a negative record are out of the eight, and I think that's that's a good thing. Aren't they better? They've got an extra Six win. wins, five losses. Five losses, six wins are out. So mm-hmm. I like that. That, that means a team with a higher win record is in. Yeah. I think you're going to need 11 wins to get in. Yeah. Like I said, I, I think Manly more than likely. And mm. I think if the Sharks keep going the way they're going, I think they're likely to probably... So five and four from here will get all the teams that are in the eight in. The Tigers are going to have to go six and four. Souths just don't have me convinced. Sorry. Tigers are going know. to have to go um, six and three from here. Like I said, I like the top three in. I think so Raiders, that means they're going to have to win, beat one of those top eight sides, top four sides. Raiders getting reinforcements for me, very likely to steal fourth, and then Roosters, and then it's up to Newcastle to hold. But I think Manly gets in, and then it's between those couple of sides. I think the Dragons, unfortunately, that loss on the weekend, and a few of the ones earlier against the Warriors and the Dogs, are yeah. going to come back to Horn. You know, I think if we so. check in in four games' time with five to go, you're going to it's going to be a lot clearer. Yeah. There's uh, definitely some divides in that ladder. Now moving on to tackle two, big bit of news for your mob, the Gold Coast Titans, the David Fafita deal. It's across the line, three years, $3.5 million. Big coup for the club. Obviously, you'd be ecstatic. There's been plenty of people yeah, busting in, in the yeah, fan I'm group about it. But your happy, thoughts on it? Well, I, I love it. I think it's fantastic. I think more to the fact of signing Fafita, they're about to move on. They've moved on Ryan James, who hasn't played a game in two and a half years. They've moved on... Uh, Shannon Boyd and Bryce Cartwright, they're on the on the cusp of moving along. Uh, it's some of the deadwood is going to start to get pushed out the door. So you can talk as much as you want about how much David Fafita's been paid. 
they've made a couple of good signings outside of Fafita in uh, Tino, Herman Essiesi. You know, so things for me are moving in the in the right direction. Yeah, uh, I, think. I think the coach is doing a fantastic job. I think Mel Meninga's finally uh, starting to warm into his position. Uh, you know, the impact that he's had on this signing, I think, can't be underestimated. Even though I do think it is slightly a conflict of interest that he's the Australian coach, and also, um, I guess, luring players to the Gold Coast. Even though he doesn't have, I guess, a coaching role there, uh, but I guess. You know, it's, it's smart business from the Titans if they've got him on the books and they can use that to their advantage because in the past we've struggled to not only sign players but just keep players that have gone well for us. So, look, in the end, this is I think this is it for the Titans. Like, if this blows up and fails, it's just going to be... Um, it's just going to extend this misery. Like, it's it's been 10 years since we've won a finals game. We haven't won a finals game since... 2010 when we beat the Warriors and played in a grand final qualifier. We've only been to three final series. The last was in 2015. So, look, I've, I love the signing. I know it's probably a little bit overs in terms of money, but a lot of the people commenting around that support clubs who are successful and they get they probably play unders to get players to the club. But the Titans here and now need to get one, two, maybe three, pay one, two or three overs... And the business around paying one player overs is then making sure that you get two or three for unders. And the fact that we've now got players that want to come to the club, uh, sorry, players that are on the roster that, that are going to make others want to come to the club means that we we'll probably will get a few for unders. And we're moving on this shit money that's just dead on our cap. The next one is Ash Taylor. Like, I'd be happy to keep Ash Taylor at the club, but he's probably going to have to take a 70% pay cut. Well, he's not due off until the end of next year. And the two, yeah, and that's why and for sh- people saying that you know of oh, this Fafita signing it's going to change the Gold Coast, it'll change the Gold Coast in the fact that we're now we can now recruit some more players. We're now more attractive to free agents. Okay, bigger, it's not really going to improve us on the field. One player isn't going to change our fortunes. No, not an edge player. We need we need a hooker. We need um, AJ Brimson fit at fullback, and we need a, another good half. Well, that was my other question. Plain and simple. So with Thompson there now on a good deal, they got him for a reasonable price. You've got but, but for me, I, you've got Thompson, Thompson's a winger for us. That's what I meant. So where do you play? That's the couple I'm looking at. Where's best? Sammy's the, Sammy? other, the, the other Where's winger. The you play Brimson at six. Uh, you, sorry, you play Brimson at one. And then you're looking at, I'm happy with Fogarty. I'm happy with Taylor, but I think you can only have one of them. They're too similar. You keep Fogarty. Uh, yeah, well, whoever. It doesn't worry me. But we need a an elite half, and that's got to be the, the next one. Nathan Peets has got to go, I'm sorry. Well, this is what I was about to get to you But you here. then look at, to you know, Your Peets. theory here, right? So if you've got Tino coming and Dave, forget the money side of things. Even if it is up to $1.8 million this year, you're getting rid of two contracts that we both consider terrible, right? Peets is... But hang on a minute. Peets. That, that also means, right, if, if Cartwright goes, Boyd goes, these yeah, guys go early. Hang just, on a minute. They don't just go. You can... Well, they do well, they because they're off the books. You can't just offload the money. The money needs to go somewhere. Well, you somewhere. can. If it's mutual and, they, and Bryce Cartwright says, I want to release, he can go. And that's what's happening. Yeah, well, there's nothing so therefore, about that yet. Well, no, not yet. But it's it's been mooted that he yeah. wants to come back down. Boyd wants to retire. Boyd's it's, it's told last them, week you I've, have to pay me out. That's not no, going to well, be No, I've, I've heard different. I've heard that Boyd's gone in and gone, this isn't working. He wants to be paid out till the end of this year, which I'd happily give him the coin. Well, if they uh, get but, it that but the way. Point, the point is, is that next year, if we then can't sign free agents now... Okay, and we've got money on our cap for next year, we're able to use that money to then pay players in advance. 
off our cap for the yeah, year after. Front load. So that's what I'd be doing. Mm-hmm. I'd be saying, here you go, bang, 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 chopping up, uh, topping up, and then I'd be using that buffer to go and sign or offer players more money for that next year. Yeah, well, the big one, again, and the one you're talking about is the one I've heard conflicting things about, but I'm not arguing with you about it. I'm just saying, Boyd is the big one you want to get rid of because he's basically... He's not playing. No, no, but he's got no desire to be there, and he's not off until 2022. So if you've got a guy sitting there on $650,000 who doesn't want to play another two seasons with you and or is telling them, pay me out or I'll sit or whatever they're doing, they need to figure out something, pay him half of it, do something. You'd rather have 300 350 on your book than just have dead money. Yeah, you can what? still yeah. do something with that. Wallace is the other one I don't like who's still got he's two got years go. to go. Yeah. He's on six fifty. So they're the two. Pete's. That, well, that's what I was about to say. Yeah, this year, you're already going to save 1.2 because there's two bad deals that I'm sure they won't keep, and that's Proctor and Pete's on 600 apiece. Mm. So that there almost gets you the majority of the money that you need to make up for those two guys you're bringing in. So that's a win. Spry, I don't mind him. Stone, you know, you can keep those yeah, guys on the cheap. Hipgrave. Hipgrave, yes. Don... If you wanted Don, someone realistically, cheap. Don's got to go. If you're going to well, be a top go. eight, sorry, so he's got to go. There would be the one. Copley's off. Gone. Well, there you go. So for this year, you've already offloaded two big contracts. Next year is the two again, depending on what happens with Cartwright or whether they have to chip in. All I can say is he wants to get to Sydney. Unless he, like you said, completely agrees to a mutual release to offload the full 700, I don't know how much a Sydney club would be willing to pay it, let alone if any. I reckon someone would maybe pay 200. Would you yeah, be happy for I them think, to chip hang on, in? Hang on a minute. If he wants to go. We're not going to pay him to go. Yeah, but if he doesn't want to leave without being paid... Well, he can stay there. If they have to tip in, he can how stay much there. would you be happy for them to tip in? If Whatever. Got to... Whatever. If, if he doesn't want to be there, anything is better than nothing. But next year... But I don't think... I, I think you've got the wrong perspective on that. If he's coming to the club and saying, I want to go... Yeah, I know. There's no, no chance in the world. Like, he, he's asked for a release. He hasn't asked to be... Uh, he hasn't asked to go and look elsewhere. He's asked for a release from his contract. That would mean that we would say, done deal, and he then goes and negotiates a deal with the Sydney club without the Titans having any influence on that at all. Yeah, well, I hope it works that way. That's, that's what's happening. A lot of happening. people and their that's managers what's... don't just give away guaranteed yeah. money, is my point. So I don't think it is going to happen that way. Well, if, if he is... wants to go to Sydney... That's what I'm with. I'm hoping it does work out that no, way. To that me, it's, just... it's not. It's simple If you're the Titans, business. you do what you're saying. We're not... I think you're convoluting it. We're not it's, helping, if he wants to go, he yeah, goes. I'm, I'm saying the same point. They should say we're not helping at all. If it's the Titans saying going, we don't want you, I think it's both. That's the issue. I, yeah. I, I don't think it's that at all. I don't think the Titans have gone to him and said we don't we don't want you. Well, I think he's come and said get that. Made the message clear. Understand, that but that's because of his form. That's yeah, not because of anything off the either. field. I'm not arguing with you. I'm saying I don't think it's yeah. going to be as easy as just offloading all the money. I think the manager and him. If he's asked for release, it is that easy. He's asked for a release. That means we release him. That's it. Done. We've heard of players before wanting a release or to move, and then it's not as simple no, as that. No, but that's not on. what the point is. The point is he's got family issues. He wants to come back to Sydney. Well, I hope it does work that way. That's, that's seven and off the book. That's as simple as it is. Taylor next year would all, for me, be down to form. If he's there next year, it's his last year. If he plays well, and it'd have to be pretty bloody well with those new players around him to justify anything, there's one thing I do know. There's no bloody way going back to the table he'd be getting anywhere near what he got last time, even with an outstanding Dallium level season, which I don't see happening. But I think it's highly unlikely that he's there after next year. Peachy's also... I'll, I'll tell you year. what, it, like, he, he was, he's been one of the main reasons we've lost close games. 100%. Kicking the ball dead and just... Fuck, like, some of the, some of the, some of the bombs front. on the... Like, just kicking hopes on the weekend. Like, just horrendous play. From a guy that's on a million. Look, it's not his fault he's on a million. I, no, that's not I, his I like him. I, I quite think he, um, you know, personality-wise, I, I don't mind him. Like, he, 
he doesn't rub me up the wrong way with his personality and his effort. He's just not up to that pay packet. No. It's not his fault he's on that pay packet. No, it's the, it's the club's fault. fault. And it's the previous administration and Garth Brennan's fault that he's on that fucking contract. Yeah. It's a disgraceful contract. And it's it's just as damaging to Ash Taylor. Like, he had time off last year through mental welfare because he's copping it in the media mm. because he's just not playing well, well enough. So everyone shares responsibility in that. The big, around the club and former admin and coach and player all, all deserve some blame in that. The big building block, like I said, will be for next year's market. Next year's market is loaded with players. There's a lot of good stuff there for them to get into. Those three deals, whether they're there or not, Taylor, Peachy, Cartwright, if anyone does stay, and obviously one definitely won't be there in Cartwright, there's almost $2.3 million if you go off the amounts they're talking about. Yeah, so you can talk huge... about who's on the market as much as you I want, get that, but, but like... you need to be able to attract them. Now we can. Yeah, that's now my we point. Can. You've got... Tino, you've got Mo, you've got Dave, but it's also going to come down to we've got a good coach. Not making the finals next year or something crazy like that, but there needs to be positives on the field for people to start going. This there already is, heading, is positives on the field. This there is, already is clearly heading in yeah, a better I know, direction. With what you've bought, they're going to expect better next year. If that happens, I think more players will come. Mm. So I think the next twelve months is the most critical period in the club's history. Yeah, in in the sh- in the. Short-term history. I, I don't think this signing right now, everyone can say this is a, a home the run. Club, a the club going from sort of 2000 and two, 2009 to 2010, like 8, 9, 10, they were always in and around the finals. Uh, and then that, that group that we had that um, inaugurated the club and started the club got too old. They and we just, never, we just never, ever were able to backfill that. With, with A, any development any players that have been developed because they're all going to Brisbane, which now seems as though we've stemmed that tide a little, that we're starting to keep some of our own players, which is a good good thing. Uh, the disappointing thing for me is that we haven't really developed a nine. You know, I know Aaron Clark's there at nine and he's he's a good young kid. But, he's come from the Warriors and had a couple um, of years in But systems. realistically, he's within that a... system, within that junior league, there should be you know, a good half, a good hooker pushing through once every two, once every two or three years. Uh, that just tells me either a there's something wrong with the pathways there, and they're not they're not pushing through uh, enough quality, or they're not keeping them. So they're they're two issues that they've really got to nut out. And I think Justin Holbrook's doing a fantastic job there, both on the field and off the field. He seems calm. The the players seem to be playing a good good level of footy. I, th- I thought they were excellent on the weekend against Penrith, even though I, I never really felt like they were going to win the game. But I was just wrapped in how they competed during the game. So I think everything's looking positive. Let's just, um, I guess, zip up about it, and then now let's let's see some of these things formalise. I think, yeah, moving the Ryan James one on is a, is a good step, and then moving Cartwright and uh, Boyd on. Like you said, they're the, they're the next two that really need to get done, and probably plus a few other value buys. Well, Boyd and Wallace are the two furthest away, but if they can get Boyd and Cartwright, especially Boyd early, and then head into next year, well, knowing- Wallace said he wanted to go to Brisbane. When he when he signed his last deal, so and we went and paid overs to keep him. Right, mate. If he wants to go to Brisbane, now's the time, big boy. Well, Brisbane aren't going to be taking him. No, the well, Dragons didn't. Brisbane are taking no anyone at the moment. They've, they've hung him out on the market, no one bit, no yeah. one wants to borrow him. Yeah. So they're stuck with that deal, unfortunately. But the two furthest away are him and Boyd. But if they can get rid of Boyd and Cartwright, head in next year with Peachy and Taylor, we're talking a ridiculous amount of money. We're getting back close to two point five, two point eight million dollars. So with this signing. And again with you, I'm not disagreeing, but like I said last week, I do think they have paid overs, but you're right. It is worth it. We need to pay overs. Yeah, but it is We're worth it. We're not going to get him unless we pay overs. Let me finish. If it, It's worth it. If him, Tino, Mo, and that show enough good signs next year and enough positives, 
for them to push that point like we're saying in the next 12 months that we are forced to be reckoned with, we're a place to get on board with, hit the market with bulk money, get some guys, like you said, for unders that are keen for the opportunity or have got the right attitude to head there, mm. and come 2022, they should be yeah, a top I, eight side. I still think the focus is in the wrong area from the media and, and in conversations. The focus now isn't... Like, you've got Fafita, great. You need to get rid of those shit contracts. Exactly. That's where you're going to get and your day for money. That's it. when, yeah, that's when the Fafita deal will mean something. But those two come together. Because at the moment... Fafita means nothing next year if they have a shit If you've year, got one player you're paying play overs that. for, that's fine. Well, they're playing overs At the moment, we've got 10 that we're paying overs for. That's the problem. So fix that. Yeah. So that's my point. Next year's a combination. Him and Tino play You've well. You've just said it. Mo, Let's move on. Then they get good players in the market. 2022 could be anything. Could be a real good time for the Gold Coast Titans. Uh, tackle three. Nightmare on the weekend. Two of those losses we spoke about by Newcastle, probably against teams that are expecting to win. O'Brien's words are literally that he's embarrassed uh, and that he thinks the playing group's entitled. And they need to make a decision quick on what they need to be. Yeah, I think it was a bit harsh. So they had significant injuries. The weather was shit. I thought they tried hard. They had a heap of chances to win. Late in the game, weren't good enough. They didn't play to the conditions. But, yeah, I, I just think he understands the importance of that game and how much it's going to hurt them. I think more significantly is going to be the the injuries. Yeah, If they've got McCulloch and, and Watson playing for the full 80 in that game, I probably think they win. I thought, and if the, if it's a dry track, they definitely. I win. thought overall, as a whole, they were nowhere near as committed as what the dogs were, and I thought oh, a handful of no guys argument. like your man, your Barnett's led from the front. But no argument. The Bulldogs have to be like that every week get to that. compete, and but they have been. And they do it as they a deserve. Whole. Yeah, Newcastle can't just pick and choose weeks. I'm not blowing any fight. holes into what Canterbury achieved at all. They they thoroughly deserve to win, but they they're always there. The dogs. They were there the week before, and they got rolled late. And fell over. And they looked as though this during this game that they could fall over late as well. But Newcastle have only got themselves to blame. But I, I just think injuries and the conditions had a significant impact. That's all. Well, I think top four, and we've basically addressed this we've earlier, covered, but yeah. it's it's all a bit gone, I think. I think Randall will get a crack there. They've talked about Leno, Phoenix Cross, and other guys playing that role. If Randall's a good kid, he's in your system. I didn't you... mind what Leno did. Mason Leno did in the few times he was in the side last year. Yeah, well, I think Randall probably get first crack. The one I'm not sure of. They yeah, could you play Leno as a Mason Leno as a 14? Well, they're going to probably need someone to play that yeah. role. So it's likely that him or Crossland and Randall are going to be the three in contention to rotate. Look, I, I don't think he's the worst player to have at 14. No, nah, but I think Randall's first game against Penrith was very impressive. So I think he might get first crack unless they want to head. No, no argument, no yeah. argument. But I think you're probably going to have to use both of them but, because you've lost two. The bigger one as well, I don't know if he's in their top squad, I doubt he is, but they have a very, very good kid coming through, Mitchell Black, who's played all the junior reps. I don't know if he was up in their top squad, but he was one I saw two years ago and thought, he's going to play first grade. Mm. I don't know his status, if he's in the top 36 or what the deal is there. It's probably a bit beyond him right now because we've talking SG ball last year, no flag this year, maybe a preseason, so that would be skipping basically under-20s cup altogether and jumping into grade. That's not going to happen. That's yeah. highly unlikely, but... Two of those guys are going to come in, but I kind of thought, looked at O'Brien and thought, uh, there's the old rule, and you know, the media bangs on about you can only have two blow ups here. And I think, again, there's also a lot of carry on, like, oh, the Bellamy blows up every week. Bellamy doesn't blow up every week. No, he doesn't. People misconstrue that all the time, and the players have said as much, Smith has said as much. I've even heard Bellamy say it in an interview. What you see in the box, and generally what he does, is he unleashes or unloads a lot of that before he heads down to the group. He's not what people depict as this person that goes down every single week and sprays the group. You can't do it all the time. You know yourself you can't do it all the time. 
But O'Brien, from the short time that I've seen here, like I'm sure he's got high standards and opinions and thoughts on what he wants and how he wants things to be, given the two systems he's been in. But I think he's got to tread a fine line. Because if he's going to be constantly that pissed off, that high-strung, that emotional, and it seemed even the week before he wasn't happy, and a lot of the weeks he's not happy... I'm not saying like too early, but that, that'll wear on the It'll wear, yeah. So he's, he's learning. I think this, this 12 months will be a big experience for him, but I, I think that's one thing just... You know what he's learning? How to be a head coach and an assistant. Well, again, this goes back to a bit of what I said last year, that this group disappointed. I had moments where you looked at it and thought, well, they've won six or seven in a row, and then now they're losing games or having moments where you're sitting there going, well... No, I, I don't fuck? agree with like, that. I, I don't think they're playing anywhere near as poorly as what they were last year. Like, the... The, yeah, again, I thought the weather and the, the injuries just killed him on the weekend. And credit to Canterbury. Like, it's one slip up. Last week they played crap for 10, 12 weeks in a row. So it's nothing near what it was last year. Uh, but, yeah, I guess you, you've just got to know when the, when the time's right to grind your players a little bit. And, you know, I thought, I thought the back end of last week was probably a really good opportunity to get in and rip them after the game because, A, they'd won. B, they'd been very good for 60 See, they almost gave the game away at the back end uh, and it just felt to me like a good opportunity to not treat it as a loss, but if you're going to get your spray in, it's a lot easier and you're a lot more receptive. The players are a lot more receptive to listen when they, they don't feel as though they're being kicked because on the weekend, they knew. They, they had shit weather, shit effort, nothing clicked. They had injuries. They knew. I don't think they really needed the coach to go in there and kick them up the arse and remind them and sort of double down on it. That's my personal opinion. I'm not, a, I'm not an NRL coach, but I, I didn't think the weekend was the right time to deliver a spray, in my opinion. Uh, whereas I thought the week before is a time where, like, whenever I'm going to give a spray, I always sort of think, well, what's the impact going to be? Positive or negative? Because as soon as you, as soon as the players feel as though it's, it's us and them... It's me and you in terms of coach playing group. That's when you get yourself into real trouble. Uh, so, you know, I think, yeah, he, he needs to be careful. The long and short of it needs to be careful. Yeah, you, you can't just ride all season. No, and you can't uh, be like you this. know. And he, he'll get a, he'll get a season's leeway. Like you hear the players talk about him, and they love him. They 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 really respect him, and they say that he's instilled that grit. And you know, but if he's going to ride them for long periods of time. And I guess this was a criticism of Madge McGuire coming out of South. Like, you just short periods with that style of coaching. And if O'Brien's, if that's his style of coaching, good on him. Like, you know, ride your horse, man. Like, you do you. But uh, just understand that it's probably going to be for short periods at clubs. No, I don't think he's, think he's going to struggle if, to get another job. If you go the bash all year and lay the boot in and throw out lines like that and constantly yell and kick and scream... It could wear as thin as early as next year. If you have injuries or things don't go well halfway yeah. through a season, my point is similar to what you're saying. You could really get a group off. Like Again, I always back the coach. We give too much leeway to a playing group. But at the same time, you can't be abrasive and abrupt and like just constantly. Sometimes, like you're saying, I think you also publicly, moments, like, like you're saying, yeah, publicly is, is an He's issue. just come out and gone fucking bang. You like, can do just, that. You can say all those things internally. It doesn't get out. That's right. And it still has the same message. And yeah, I, I don't know. They're, he's smarter than me and you. Again, so I know, you know. but again, I wouldn't make excuses for them like afterwards and say, yeah, they were this, that, and the other, but I think sometimes you No, can, and in no you, way am I making can, excuses. But, but if I was sitting in that boat, like watching that game, it's only my opinion, but I'll watch that game thinking, you know, like you just felt 
once once Canterbury went bang bang, it was eighteen nil. That just the weather was just going to prevent him from coming back. But the second point as and well, and the injuries. Just seeing two blokes get fucking carried off, and then having to play with a spack fill, moving guys out of position. Just sometimes yeah. I also think you're better off waiting until video and digesting it for a couple of days. Well, you know my theory on that. Doing like it I, again. I, and I was that stop. Like I used to rip, rip teams. And be a little bit emotional after after games, and I've just sort of learned. Digest a little bit sometimes. Yeah, some look. Sometimes I think you just know if you know, like a spray's on, you give it. Yeah, you know, like if you're a hundred percent sure, particularly when you talk to your staff and you say, "Look, what do you reckon?" Yeah, fuck, give it to them. Right, okay. I, I sort of know that then that's the right time. But if you're ever fifty fifty on it, you can always give it later. Yeah. Wait a day or two because sometimes and, and like it can said, be more pointed. It, it, you can back it up with video and all sorts of examples and make sure that it probably sinks in a little bit more. Mm. The other thing is you need to also think about other players listening. If they're not listening, it's wasted. It's just screaming and ranting and carrying on. So, yeah, interesting one. Yeah. But, again, it's all that psychology around coaching and knowing your playing group and knowing your staff and, you know, knowing what, how you squeeze that water out of the sponge, which is your players. You need to just get all the water you possibly can out of them and, you know, he, he's there. He's I've got no reason to no, doubt. I'm not, not hating her. I'm just saying it. Just saying. Yeah, I, I thought from the outside looking in, the, the week four would have been very good. He's wide in the rooms. Yeah. He's wide in the box. He, he wants to win. He cares. I get that. Love that. But you just you can't constantly throw punches or be over the top. I think maybe this year again on reflection, once he gets to the back end, regardless of what happens, he'll take some lessons out of it and have his own review. Coaches get reviewed as well. But I just think for him, he's very he's very very. Emotional, and a lot of people are going. Well, you spent all that time with Craig. Like that's bullshit. Some things rub off from you from some people, but you need to taper that at times, or swallow, like you're saying, and, and not carry your divots, or leave it to a video or other things, rub and just constantly kind of be cockahoot or flying off the handle. So, um, I think yeah, he'll definitely learn some stuff. But top four looking very unlikely for the Newcastle Knights. <clears throat> Tackle four, the Roosters. Obviously, like we said. Some flat periods, a couple of injuries, some players missing, and surprise, surprise, I don't think it's any surprise at all. Sonny Bill, uh, now that the Toronto Wolfpack have pulled out of the Super League for the year, linked to the Roosters, everyone else is saying he should go to the Warriors, he should go to the Bulldogs. Number one, why would he go back to the Bulldogs? He left the Bulldogs in acrimonious circumstances. Number two, why would you go back for a team that's not going to play finals for a few weeks of football? Mm. for a side show and no different to the Warriors like even I even heard Valandi say I wish he would have gone to the Warriors but why is he going to go back and be a battering ram for a month for a side that's not going to play finals football in the circumstances they're in right now and number three for anyone out there insulting and saying oh the Roosters and the salary caps and blah, 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 blah. like he played, he played at the Roosters previously he's had this constant connection with Nick Pilatus he's got a long term relationship with him they came and watched him when they played the World Club Challenge. Like, he's tied to that club. I don't know why it's any surprise that this is the decision on if any place he'd come back to. And the other thing, I guess a lot of people are blowing up. Like, they're getting favours. How have they got the money? Like, normal season, yes, there'd be a value placed on somebody of his stature for the whole season, amount of money. If they didn't have it available, they wouldn't be able to get him. But it's a short stint at the back of a crazy season, unprecedented times, I use that word, that everyone's got sick of. And he shouldn't be forced to go somewhere or play for someone just because everyone else thinks the narrative is better. If he wants to play at the Roosters, if the Roosters legitimately have the salary cap space or however they frame it up for whatever games are left in their situation, I don't have a problem with it. And a lot of people are saying they're getting favours again. Well, again, I think that's just another agenda or kind of a thing that gets driven by a lot of people, that everything works out for the Roosters or, you know, 
and, and for anyone that does think probably the salary sombrero, we've talked about this before, it's not even the sombrero. The biggest attraction for players in the Roosters is life after football because they can offer things mm. that I think, other I think, clubs look, can't. And I've said this before on the show, probably not this year. I think the sooner we get to a point where salaries are <clears throat> public, even if they're not named, as though like player X, player Z, player whatever, and it's just named like this is what they're on, I think the better. Because I really don't think the Roosters are cheating the cap. I think third parties give them a significant advantage. Most people who are long-term listeners on this show know what I think of TPAs. I think they're a crock of shit, and I think they should be thrown out the door. I think players should be able to earn whatever they can uh, privately through their own brand, similar to how the, the American sports do it. But in terms of payment... Club to player, it should be club to player. Salary cap should be, if it's 10 mil, every club spends 10 mil. What players can then earn with, you know, Nike, Asics, Adidas, whoever, whatever, car, car yards, what, let them go. Because in the end, they control that through their behaviour. Uh, I guess some clubs are going to be at more, um, how do you say it, at, at more, uh, you know, have more strings to pull and more contacts in order to hook players up with that sort of stuff. But, I mean, it's no better or worse than the system we've got now. Look, the question's got to be, take your club supporter hat off. Think of, holistically, NRL. Is it better to have him in the game than not? The the answer's yes. And my other point to Put simple, we've got... Yeah, the the people that are blowing up are the crazies. And I'll make one more point, though. Do you honestly think... And the, uh, the conspiracy theorists who think the Roosters just operate under a different cap. And realistically, they do operate under a, a different cap. So it is a third-party so cap, yeah, and it's not illegal. It's not illegal. Ask Parramatta. It they gives them a huge, gives them a huge advantage. They won two wooden spoons cheating. Like, it's yeah. it's an art form as well. They they just... Yeah, but you know what? Whether you like it you or not, know what? they're better it's, run than everybody they're else. They're fucking better coached. And they're better run than everybody else. As a business, as a coaching group, as a plant, like just... We have tall poppy syndrome on anyone that's successful. Yeah, well, I don't. I, I, I don't I'd, have, I'd, I'd I don't have any animosity towards the Roosters nah, at all. I'd, I'd rather see, like we said, a different winner or a different grand final or the Battle of the West in the grand final or somebody but like that. But beat them. If that's the point. Get better. Don't, don't be bitter. Be better. If better. they can operate and get him in... They can and can I be completely honest? This is the other point when everyone's carrying on. Everyone's talking like he's fucking prime time Sonny Bill, twenty five year old, you know, fit, agile, mobile. Like the two games over there, I watched both of them. A lot of people acting like they've watched the games and he was mailing in and he's taking a super. All these other bits and pieces. I'm like, he wasn't overly impressive, but yeah, he is almost thirty five years old. He's but not going to be. He was a team. No, but he's not going to be Sonny Bill of. He's going to be playing 05. within a completely different. He's going to be completely a, different. A bench role probably. In the back of the Roosters, he's not going to be 80-minute 2013 grand final Sonny Bill. So I think no. a lot of people are also overstating because of the name and the reputation that, like, this is some... And I thought what Volandi said was good. Like he said, I would have rather him go to the Warriors. Yeah. But I can't force him no. to go to the Warriors. And that's my point with all the links he's got and the connection. And it's it's a good headline for the game. Yeah, it it's is. A good thing, look, so. it, it is what it is. It's, and look, I hope... Uh, you know, I know Todd Payton came out last week and sort of ripped the NRL a little about loan players or whatever. But yeah, That's you know, up to like, the cops who yeah. they want to give. Yeah, so I, I really hope that behind the scenes this week they are every club's just trying to get one player to the Warriors because some I'd hate to I'd hate left. to just see That's them. Yeah, and like, I understand when that. He there's probably that. there's probably a handful who don't who who just can't. Um, so that's something that they've got to take into consideration and 
Yeah, I think well. the, the, maybe the NRL is going to do as much as they possibly can to drag, like even allow development players to be shoved, shoveled across to the Warriors. Whatever, whatever they're going to do to get that, it. That's what he doesn't want, though. He came out and said, we don't want people's you know, fringe players or guys that haven't played. We want guys that at least got 20-something-plus 20, 20 games, but I've had that same point you had. Well, maybe the NRL should come a, and say, a lot listen, of clubs are already um, Bodine Thompson, Ricky Latelli, um, all these guys at Toronto, we'll, we'll pay you to go to the Warriors for the next six weeks. It's only going to be four weeks, though, because by the time they get them cleared and get them but back... But those boys also Hill. probably go, fuck, I don't really want to go there for four weeks. I'd rather probably go not. to a side that's going to play finals. Well, so. I'd already, I've already heard that Josh McCrone's coming back to play country footy. Because okay. I know a few guys that I play half their wedge anyway. Aren't yeah, they? But half the guys I know from Canberra that outplay group football get ridiculous cash and they get jobs. Yeah, but what my point is is if Macron's on That's a million point. or eight hundred, he's still going to get four hundred anyway. Yeah. Someone will play him stupid money, give him a cruisy job, and he'll probably end up combining. For and he's another... on the tiles. He's playing with his mates. Yeah, play on. But some of those country teams pay really good money and get you seventy, eighty thousand dollar jobs. So guys pull in close to a hundred grand anyway. Yeah, just for playing with a local site. So. Yeah, I don't have a huge issue with it. People talked about the two contracts and is it favourites and is that like there's no way you can force somebody like you said to go somewhere. Can't. This is where he's got his roots. They've got some injuries and I don't think he's going to be this world beater that everyone still associates with him being this top five game breaking kind of player. I think he'll come back, he'll play a role off the bench, and will he have some impact for him? Possibly he does, but I don't see him as this game breaking ultimate player now at the age of thirty five who's going to be the difference between them winning a comp and not winning a comp. That's just my opinion. He could yeah, come I, back and set the world on fire, but I'm not looking at Sonny Bill the same way yeah, as I was. Yeah, but again, we're, we're not dealing so, in facts. Let's deal in facts. You know? Facts are, he's going to the Roosters. Facts are, they had money in the cap, and they were well within their rights to sign. The what, what he does on the field is what he does. The other thing we talk about, the value of it. Like, if there's only four games and then finals, like, how much do you want them to make the Roosters pay? Three quarters of the season's done. So if you valued him at... 800 and three quarters is gone, technically 200 left. It, people are saying they've got 250, 300 left in the cap. So, regardless of whether you like it or not, even if they wanted to spend all that just for four games, technically they can fit him in the cap. Well, they can because August 3 it shuts down. So, yeah, doesn't it? it doesn't matter. Like, mm. Speaking of Valandis, tackle five. Uh, fair bit to say yesterday. Obviously, on that situation, talk about Gus Gould being involved and bringing him in and getting him to work with pathways and grassroots and development of Pacific Islands and uh, other nations also talk about why wouldn't we be flexible on the situation of the rule of Joseph Sawali and the 18-year-olds. And in previous, we've obviously heard talk about the possibility of getting rid of scrums and other bits and pieces. There's a fair bit going on. But to break down a few of those, I like the fact that they're willing to address some issues and, again, uh, you know, bring up situations like this or bring up the scrum rule or bring up what you want to do with somebody like Gus and potentially getting them in. There's already been people blow up, in particular, Buzz Ruffield, Matt Sand. It's a conflict of interest because he's been involved in other clubs and he's involved as a top-line commentator. Mm. If he's doing grassroots and other bits and pieces and consulting and offering opinions, I don't see a huge issue. I really don't. But doesn't he do that anyway? That's my point. At arm's length. So I already don't really... like These two already talk, whether he's in there in a full role. I think what's alarmed people is he's now on the books. That's probably what's alarmed people. Uh, I, I don't know. I also don't buy into the fact that a lot of people are saying that Valandis would just bow to Gus and agree with everything Gus says and things have already been brought up about scrapping the video. If they say, I don't think Valandis is stupid. I think Valandis is smart enough to take on board ideas from Gus and work with Gus and speak with him, but I don't think he's just going to be dictated to by a lot of people having this thought that if he's in the NRL, he's just going to be able to run wild and put his fingers all over everything and do whatever he pleases. I, I don't think that's the case. 
Because no. whether he has ideas or not, they're still going to have to go to the commission. Not just for, it's not just going to be Volandis and Gus doing whatever they feel like. No. So I, I think there's a few alarmists oh, like it. Look, who need to calm when you down look a at, bit. When you look at Gus, um, he's, yeah, arguably the smartest man in rugby league. Simple as that. And he's been around the game within those different roles, like Volandis said yesterday. Player, coach, administrator. You know, it was even talk of um, player manager. So... I, you know, you know my opinion on on Phil Gould. I was was fortunate enough to work at the Panthers, you know, during a significant amount of that period where he was at the club for pretty much all of it, really. Um, and he's the smartest person I've ever had the fortune of sitting in a room and hear talk about rugby league. So, I guess if his, his Gus's intentions will only be to help the game. Valandi's only intention in getting Gus involved is to help the game. So I don't think there's any bad intentions there. Buzz Rothfield doesn't get along with Gus. Yeah, well, we they, they're bought, they're, So there's an agenda there. So I just... I take people's opinions based on, you know, what's the agenda behind them saying that? And I, I don't think the decision is agenda-based. I don't, I don't think Phil Gould is going in there with an agenda. I, I truly believe that Phil Gould is become so um, despondent with how the pathway system has evolved since we've scrapped the under-20s and really taken the focus and the importance of reserve grade away that it's just whittled and whittled and whittled and way to the point where now he's gone, fuck me, I'll, I'll go in and I'll, I'll help you fix it and I'll help you get us back on track somewhere near where we need to be. And, you know, we're in a situation now, you know, with our, in our coaching level and our positions and roles that... You know, West Tigers in that we still don't know what the competition structures are going to look like next year for Harold Matthews and SG Ball. Um, I'm dealing with some things at school where they're talking about changing the age groups of Australian schoolboys to 16s, 18s rather than uh, 15s and opens or whatever it was before that. So there's a lot of different changes at the moment around COVID to those different levels of the game and to pathways and, you know, is Harold Matthews going to be the nine-week comp plus semis or is it just going to be a weekend comp? Is SG Ball going to be mirrored with Jersey Flag, which is what they're, they're talking about, you know, or are Harold Matthews and SG Ball going to run concurrently at 16s and 18s? But all this stuff is still to be decided. That's state-based. From my point of view, I think we need to really work out a national structure you know, if you really want to get technical talking about the Broncos, the biggest issue at the Broncos is that they don't pull on a Broncos jersey now until first grade. They don't play Broncos at 16s. They don't play Broncos at 18s. They don't play Broncos at 20s. They don't play Broncos at reserve grade. So what a Broncos player used to look like within their system and what they were developed like, when you look at, you know, your Penrith Parramatta's and, you know, even West Tigers and South and all these Sydney-based clubs grab their kids at 15. They still have them in academies. Well, I get that, directly. but they don't wear that badge. They're they not get, directly involved. They get They're not within the four walls. Yeah, so but we know what that two, works out like. Look, look at what happened. Clubs. Yeah, look at what happened at Windsor. Look at what happens at St Mary's. Look at what happens at Wenty. Look at what happens at you know all these other places. When you try and put a different badge on a team that's within those different clubs, it doesn't work. Mm. I think the sooner we get back to NRL reserve grade and whether it's a 20s, 23s, 21s, whatever the fuck they want to want to work it out as, that all run three grades concurrently underneath the NRL. And then you've got, you know, you work out, you then split that away and you go, right, what does our, our 18s and below or 19s and below look like or 20s and below look like? Okay, there's got to be that junior pathway system 
junior representative pathway system. But on top of that, there has to be an on-age, open-age uh, pathway system, which is dead. It's dead. If you're not in the NRL, where are you? You're playing New South Wales Cup, Queensland Cup. You know, the standard between those two grades is significant. It never used to be like that. You used to see talented players just pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing in those grades. And you'd see ex-NRL players retire and go back and play in those grades. I think we need to get back to that. I think at the um, moment it's too diluted to me. With too much. Massey and Shield. Too there's much. too many just shit comps. And too much. Some of those comps. Like we watched Shield the other year. But no, they're not. No they're not. Uh, they're also not listen. national comps. Yeah, man. No offense to anyone that might be listening, but like, there's guys that would be playing good A grade football that go there, and then there's teams that get beat by seven every week, and there's one or two good teams like, and then Massey, same deal. There's two or three maybe really good teams who are fed by say a Wenty or a big club, and then there's a couple in there that just don't have the money to compete. Like our local club brothers went in there, and unfortunately for them. It, it's not even a matter of playing ability, talent, and coaching. They're just not got the same investment. But there's all these diluted comps and mm. different levels of players and different levels of spending. And at the end of the day, like you said, what, what are they for? Some of them don't lead anywhere. They're just no, but random I think, what, kind why, of off why to the we, side Why are we always worrying about um, middle management or you know the middle level and middle tier of our game? Get the top tier right. Mm. Right, the NRL is perfect. Like really, really good. Boom, we've got a reserve grade underneath it. Let let NRL squads have, uh, NRL clubs have squads of 50 or 60 comprised of NRL, top 30, reserve grade, top 30, jersey flag, 30, 90 players. Bang, here they are. Submit that list. They can all play in whatever grade, at whatever level. They'd obviously have bumps in their contract if they play up, but that's how it used to work. And that was... You know, you knew Harold Matt's SG ball. You knew SG ball, jersey flag. You knew jersey flag, reserve grade, reserve grade, NRL. There was a clear pathway there. That pathway is now fucking all over the place mm. since we pulled 20s out. And even the 20 system wasn't perfect because no, that well, that's was, what really crippled reserve grade. I was the, with the biggest proponent of 20s, but not for the reason, like you're saying, that they were given... All the TV time and made like when I was the only that, Canberra, that, but that was the only thing that was wrong that was, with it. The only point. thing that was wrong with it is that it, it overtook Canberra, reserve grade. We were there all the time with the NRL squad. All our other guys who were actually NRL contracted were flown to Queensland for the year and they weren't spoken to or brought back unless they were needed for NRL. But in the same case, we had guys that would jump straight from twenties in, which was very rare and doesn't happen that much anymore. Your best twenties players or flag players go into cut first and learn a trade, yeah. but. <laughs> What, to your point, it was exactly right at the time. It was backwards. We were playing in a full stadium or a half-full stadium. Yeah. Our other players who were NRL contracted were up playing for South Logan and, and were basically isolated unless they were brought back. Just like, change You that look at Penrith around. now, okay, and, and how Penrith is, you know, they're talking about, you know, what, what about the junior system? What about the junior players? You know why? Because... While ever Gus was there, he always put New South Wales Cup ahead of 20s. Yeah, because... And they were wearing a Penrith jersey. jersey. But they... Okay? It was always NRL reserve grade 20s. Mm. That's why you've got these crop of players that are there. They were they understood. Yeah. But also, if they were ready, they didn't worry about 20s or leave them at 20s. No. If you're good enough, you go up. But a 15-year-old kid was handed a sheet of paper, this is the pathway to first grade. Yeah. Clear. Always in a Panthers jersey, always in a Panthers shirt always developed by Panthers uh, coaches under the one roof. Mm. That's what that's what good administration looks like. That's what good development looks like. And just spending as much money as you 
possibly can within your means to develop NRL players. And it's no different to how they've taken that academy out in the group football in the country, boys. Those guys well, look at and that area, now playing they're now group. linked to Penrith. Yeah. They are pan- like whether you like it or not, they're Panthers kids. Or they, 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 they have an association or relationship yeah. with the Panthers. And it's- oh, mate, I've, I've, every school holidays while I was um, coaching at the club, we used to go to Bathurst. Hmm. Myself, Matty Cameron, um, Jimmy Jones... Benny Harden would jump in a car and we drive to Bathurst. And it's no different, again, to... Like, they don't have the badge. They do on the arm. But that association that like you're talking about when you put a system in or you take over an area. So for, like, Melbourne going, we want to own the Sunshine Coast. We've taken over this junior league. We've got this New South Wales Cup side, our flag side, all the coaches, all the academy, everything runs through the Storm. I know it's not Storm branded, yeah. but the Sunshine Coast Falcons are owned, run, all linked in with mm. that pathway. That pathway leads to the Melbourne Storm. Yeah. So not only you not only like a budget and say you're the, you can't really be the Melbourne Storm on the Sunshine Coast, but your junior pathway, like you said, should reflect a connection to your top end. It should be all funneled. Yeah, but if they want to, like, if Melbourne really want to be a development club, and look, there's there's schools down there. There's three or four schools down there now that are doing a fantastic job of yeah, Hallam and a couple. Yeah, of those. competing with top tier high schools in the New South Wales competition. Uh, Realistically, they should have a jersey flag that's Melbourne based. Just say, look, and we're going to go nitpick and, and pinch a couple of players and bring them down here. Well, they do, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd be putting all my money into it's Victoria Thunderbolts, not Melbourne Storm at the moment. So it's a little bit convoluted how their pathway system works. But you can understand that because they're a one team, one state. Mm. It's not a rugby league state. That, that's totally different. But everywhere else, it should just be very, very clear. Bang, it, bang, bang. All local. Bang, bang, bang. Three tiers. 90 players. Go and find fucking 90 players. Of course you can find 90 players. You should be able to if you're doing a good job with your development. But if you're a club like them who doesn't have juniors, like you're saying, you find other ways around it, whether that be <laughs> planning your foot in Queensland, having academies in New Zealand, finding other kids. They have got, Some guys, they fly, they fly people four or five times a year to Melbourne who are 13 to 16 years old who they've scouted and they teach them the system and principles and bits and pieces well before they're even playing 16s, 18s, whatever they're playing for them. Yeah. But, you know, like there's teams in Sydney, NRL teams in Sydney who don't even know their own fucking junior players within their junior league. And they don't even have development leagues and they've got like their own junior leagues and you look at someone like that who doesn't have anything and you're like, well, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. It's, yeah, it needs to be better. We've gone a bit long on that one, but finishing off the other points, I don't have a problem simply with Gus being involved, and I also have the opinion, again, for, like, Buzz thinking that Volandis would just listen to everything Gus says. I think that's stupid. He'll listen, but he won't act on it. But it's not just going to say that he's going to just go, yep, whatever Gus says, I'm on board with. I have enough faith in Volandis and the commission. And, look, I think the big one that you're going to see is the pathways. That, that, all of that stuff is going to get addressed. What about? and, And I think Volandis understands... Like this crisis that we've got now, this injury crisis, it's it's twofold. One, because those competitions aren't running, but B, because those competitions got no depth. The quality of those competitions isn't good enough. To and what was the first idea that came up? Wayne Bennett comes in and says, "Put the put the clubs together yeah, make and play. make them play a reserve grade." Yeah. Hello. I think when the COVID thing hit again, though, they kind of scrapped those scrambles they were trying to get together. Some of them had scrimmages of ten on ten and whatever. And but... you know what would have been smart? Ship them off to Fox League. Here you go, television contract. We've got fucking eight of these satellite games we're going to play. Mm. As if me and you would sit there and watch them for sure. I would. I'd watch everything. Everyone listening to this would sit there and watch them on a Monday night or whenever they'd be on. Come on. A point that's played out during the week. I don't want to go on about it forever. It happened after we got off the air last week. But Joseph Wiley, we've spoken about him before. We've coached against him. We've seen him in person. 
He was on board with South. Then rugby, rugby Union apparently come in with an offer, considering the fact they're broke, which was ridiculous, of $3 million for three years. Now apparently it's swung back to Rugby League. Four years, less money, but still, you're talking a 17-year-old. $2 million over four years, and they're talking, or they've been in the NRL's ear of Valenti's ear to say, this guy's ready to play right now. And a lot of people are saying, well, that rule, the collective bargain agreement was brought in to say you cannot debut until you're 18 years old. And smartly, again, I think yesterday, they've said, well, there may be cases where there's guys that are exceptions to the rule. And I know people go, well, what's the fucking point of the rule then? Well, I'll tell you the point of the rule. I've done SG ball the last two years. Joseph Sawali is the only kid I've seen probably in that. And some of the flag games that I've looked at right now and go, he should not be playing that level of football. There's not going to be cases every year. We didn't play a shibble this year. Yeah, but there's not going to be Played cases Harold every Matthews year to the point year. of this rule and everyone's saying, oh, everyone's going to be kicking down the door saying, I want this guy to play in NRL. No, they're not. Because there's well, not like enough we, of them. We played him round one last year and I think we got no. beat 34-16. He should he be was, playing He was a difference. Boy. He shouldn't be playing schoolboy football. I think he scored three tries in that game where yeah. our boys just couldn't tackle him. Exactly, but my point is, how many guys are you going to go watch at SG Ball and go, he's ready to play in a role right now? This is a case oh, for an exemption. And yeah, you, if yeah. you want to get real technical, right, he turns 17 August 1st. So next year, the season kicks off early March. He's six months away from being 18. What's the fucking difference between being 17 and a half and 18 for someone who's almost two metres tall, done an NRL preseason, and just should not be playing schoolboy football? The argument for me that people are going, well, every club will be kicking on the door to get 17-year-olds in, they won't. We're but doing we'll SG ball. Previous point. We're doing flag, and I'm telling you, there's guys that you look at in flag and think, well, if no, this... no offense, he's making up the numbers. You you watch guys in SG ball, and you, you don't look at many and go, he he could play NRL right now. This kid is one of those rare cases again when we talk about a Falau or an Inglis who just he doesn't belong there. So you know, I have no problem? problem with making an exemption because he shouldn't be playing SG ball next year. He shouldn't be playing 20s next year. He should be playing fucking well, NRL <laughs> cup at a minimum. He should have. You know, if he's if he's SG ball, he should start in SG ball next year, right? And then he should go develop through the grades, through those systems. So if they go, well, well, he'll play a week Joey, of twenties and a week of <clears throat> New South Wales Cup, and he'd be playing first grade. Well, maybe, maybe. But if we actually had those tiers of, for players to progress through, then we would know. The only risk here is is that they then put him in and break it. Put him in there a little bit early and, and snap him, and that's why that rule was put in What's place. What's the difference between but being 18 me, and 17 and a half? The, rule, sh- the rule should be irrelevant because the rule should just be that we've got those different tiers and you can progress players through. And you know, if he gets to a level and you go, fuck, that's too much for him, you can bump him back. Well, you at the moment, well, at the moment, the problem is it's SG ball and NRL. Really? Fleg is no different to SG ball. You know that yourself. The, the better SG ball boys get thrown straight into Fleg. Well, this year, Parramatta put half their team into there Fleg. You go. They didn't even play against us, and they still smashed everyone because their junior league's so good. Penrith do similar every year. Well, they, because they, they develop and they keep. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, and they're in a Parramatta shirt from 13, saying, 14. I don't buy the rule. Everyone's saying, oh, everyone will be doing it. No, they won't because not everyone has a kid who's that fucking good at 17 or mm. physically ready to play. And my point is 18, 17 and a half. What's the difference? They're going to throw him in anyway at the back end of the year. What's six months, five months difference? He is not a child. He is a fucking man. Yeah, and look at some of the other stuff. Like the, you know, the knuckleheads at some of these other clubs, affiliated clubs, you just think, well, um, you know, players are good enough, players aren't good enough. Um, Or, you know, they think that their club, their smaller club in particular, is more important than development or where they are is more important. There's a lot of that going on as well in terms of, well, yeah, look at look at like where we are at West and Balmain. Like they're pretty fierce rivals. And they're there's you know, there's been factions there that work against each other. 
within development. I know at St George and Illawarra, there's factions there, old factions there that work against each other. Um, so that can be a hindrance as well when you're talking about play. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Development. Um, and I guess that's the only real issue with these joint, joint ventures that are not joint ventures all the way down through their pathways grades. In that, you know, they particularly within some of the fan groups, you, you're dealing with some disdain around that. I hate well. it that, that, that has a, an impact as well on, um, you know, development pathways. Yeah. Well, I think plain and simple, yeah, there is a rule and, there. Well, also for kids. Kids go, well, hang on a minute, I've got a Balmain badge on or I've got a, a West Magpies badge on. And that's why what the West Tigers have done in the last two years in branding everything West Tigers um, – or has no. has tried to remove those barriers. None of these kids post two thousand would know anything yeah. really about these clubs. They don't. That those clubs were on the way out when I was a child. I, like I know of them, but I don't have great vivid memories no. because they only existed for a few years into my childhood. I can only vaguely so remember. So we have them now as seventeen or eighteen years old. I'm a thirty year old man. If I don't remember them, how these kids are going to have an association with their area, with that badge, with that team? Look, I think it's important they understand the history but, and the fabric yeah, and history the culture never and all goes that stuff. But you need to know where you're heading, and they're heading to the West Tigers. Yeah, they, but also they, they shouldn't the, be taught like you're saying about factions and division, because some people are taught that way, or they're, they're brought into that, even though they had nothing to do with what happened or what existed. Mm. That is now supposed to. So be. probably yeah. Now to get into some of the issues that you you come up against when you're trying to develop as well. It's not only the system; sometimes it's sort of where you are as well mm. <laughs> to uh, create barriers and plain and simple. Do you have a problem with exemptions for this rule? Because I don't. No. Because I look at that and think, if you told me Greg English you know couldn't why? play because or Israel Folau couldn't if you play. Asked 16, if you asked every team that he's played against in Harold Matthews last year, you know, who was the best player in Harold Matthews, Joseph every Swallow. coach would say Joseph Swallow. He's the reason they made the top four. I, wa- I watched the game you guys had against him. I didn't. No offence to their team. I didn't see a lot of other guys and go, yeah. There were some good players there. Hmm. You take him out and put him on the other side. We probably win, yeah. He basically set up or scored three or four of the tries. He scored three on his own. There you go, and he set yeah. others up because he's just he's yeah. not a child. He's a man. Yeah. Some people have God-given talents or gifts yeah, or look, things I'm, that are just above big I'm not belief. totally convinced he can walk in and play round one next year. No, but he shouldn't be restricted to play no, no, I agree in, with in that. So or... my, my only argument would be when he's ready, he should be allowed to. And the age should not be... The deciding factor, the the factor that should decide it, should be: is he good enough? Yeah, is he good enough, and is he physically yeah. ready? I think he, like I said, he is a man already. <clears throat> yeah, yes, agreed. he has growing and other things to do, but he is not a child. He's not a child's body or just a big frame. He is a yeah. man. Yeah, he is capable of playing. Well, we don't know that. Tamalolo played that. NRL sixteen and a half. Like we played against him twenty. He was already what he basically is now. Like yeah, he, but he, he was playing twenty. I know he developed further, but yeah, but he was sixteen and a half. Technically, with that rule, he shouldn't have been able to play but what, 20s. My point is, is we, we saw it with our own eyes, saw that he could do it. So, so while he hasn't even played SG ball, mm. um, he's a freak, a freak of a talent. Yeah. And all I'm saying is that when he does get his opportunity to play flag or play ball, if he impresses and goes well, he should 
be able to play in NRL when he deserves and his form warrants yeah. selection in the NRL, not be determined by his age. And I'm sure they'll know because with what they're trying to do right now, if they get an exemption, he'll be in the NRL trials. And if he looks good and he's better than some of the players they've got, I'm sure you will see him round one. Exactly. If not, he'll probably go straight to 20s or cup and you'll see him by mid-year minimum, I reckon. Exactly. That's how talented I think yes. he is. But I don't think, again, that you should restrict But I, I also people. don't think you should, we should be putting that pressure on him. You should, are you going to play around money? No, going to play? I'm with no, you. No, the, the, the sticking point is, is if he is if he's good enough, he should be able to play. That's and that point. should not only be Joseph Sawali. Everyone. It should be every kid in every system. Um, and they should be able to apply for an exemption. And that's my that's point. All. There's not going to be many apply for it. So for everyone to make out like, oh, you're bending the rules or you just may as well throw mm. that rule out, there's not many kids that are capable at that age. But if you are, you shouldn't be held back. Uh, and, yeah, I guess that's the bit on some of the things that Volandi said yesterday, and I don't have a problem with the Gus situation either. We'll see how that one plays out. Tackle six, sounding off. You brought it up again, the bunker, <coughs> and some of the decisions. And a couple of weeks ago, Graham Annesley said there'll be no one dropped because they don't have the other people to do it. But, hey, hey, we have one on the weekend. It was an absolute Barney where the bunker seemed to almost seem like it was trying to rush to make a decision because of the criticism they take too long, and they fluffed another one. And yeah, now I, those two have been dropped in Steve Clark and Bengalau. Yeah, they were dropped for the Penrith Titans game the next day. Uh, <coughs> oh. Yeah, the, the big talk is it costs $2 million a year to run the bunker. Is it as foolproof as it should be? I probably don't think it is. I think the old system was just as fraught with controversy and bad decisions. So I'd be of the opinion that we should scrap the bunker. We should go back to the video referee. We should make sure that every stadium has a high-definition 65-inch screen for the video referee to work off, sit him up in the box where he used to be, Work it that way. If it's going to save us two million dollars. Put that two million dollars into development. Yeah, and my other That'd thing my as argument. well, like again, to the point where someone like a Gus again, people are going, "Oh, if he gets in, he'll get rid of the error if he wants to." I don't think Valandis and the commission would let him do so. And that's back to the point again. You can't get rid of video. You can't do it because there'd no. be too many. Everyone will get pissed off. We have the benefit of a replay. There'd be controversies week in, week out. But to your point, we said at the start here, the bunker hasn't made that much of a difference. Surely there's enough. TV cameras and angles and things available just with the TV coverage to not need the bunker to be able to give the video ref multiple looks that are still sufficient enough and yeah. as cost effective. The video referees get the was, same result. was, you know, small rooms and small, yeah. like even if you've got a van, drive a van, have a couple of vans, have one in Queensland, you know, one in New South Wales, whatever they've got to do and set up a mini bunker within the, within the vans. I don't know what you've got to do. Maybe the television networks who are covering have a have a room where they can sit, got sit a video referee and have a look. Yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know, but my argument is financially, well, two twofold. First, the first point would be that is it as foolproof as what they made it out to be when they sold it? No, there's just as many errors happening now as what there was under the video referee system. Second point is financially, it's costing us significantly more money. So go back to the old system, okay? Because the results are no better and it's costing us more money. Or work out a way to reduce that cost of the bunker. Maybe we buy the bunker or we have someone come in and sponsor the bunker and cover that cost or whatever it is. Well, I think KFC I just get the money. Yeah, I agree, but why are we paying two mil? Why is a game paying two mil for something that isn't giving the game two million dollars worth of value? It's just it's creating the same amount of controversy as it has done previously the thing you know, well, the, with the previous versions of the bunker. For, for like a decision like that on the weekend, I don't understand. Like, I know everyone's like, oh, it's still too slow. I'm like, well, do you, you want it right or you don't want it right? Like, <laughs> I, I want things to be quicker as well. But 
they had two quick looks and just brushed it. And you know why things are longer? Because when the video referee says comes up and says, oh, check grounding, if it's from a play the ball where there was a block everything. play, they check everything. We'll check obstruction, we'll check the handle, we'll check the grounding. Check what the referee has asked you to check. Okay, that's it. Unless there's something blatantly obvious that you've already seen because you were watching as well, just check what you're asked to check. Just have two in there. Someone, someone who could have it roll back and have a look at the play while someone is looking at the actual incident. And then they can go to you, hey, whoa, 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 hang on a minute, yeah, we've got an obstruction here, all right? Yeah, and then have a look two. at that. Yeah, exactly right. Like, but there's got to be a way to administer they're, it. They're watching as it goes as well, so they should be on top of a lot of things or have a better perspective because they've got the TV angles and say what a referee would to yeah. be able to get this stuff right. Which That's is, a process issue. This is why it's dumbfounding when something like the weekend, they rush through it and then we're all sitting there watching 100 replays going, wow, it's pretty clear that Dufty's... One, one that look, I'll be honest with you. I don't watch any bunker decision when I'm watching because a lot of the games I'll watch, you know, twenty minutes or whatever, ten yeah, minutes so behind. I can get through those. Time. I fast. I watch it dead eye and go, okay, that's try, bang. And the only time I stop it is when I'm off, and it's rare that I'm I'm sort of off on my gut feel on whether it was right or wrong. I'd say probably seventy five percent of the time I'm, you know, you go, yeah, that's try, that's not a try, yeah. And it flashes up red or green when you're fast forwarding, and you can just get through it. Um. So I just, yeah, back the referees to make calls on the field. Uh, I guess the other point is maybe they go to given uh, teams, you know, one challenge per half, two challenges per game. So I look at the challenge right now and just and go, scrap video it's referee. Shit. I hate the challenge. It's wasted most of the time. I really do. Yeah, I, I don't agree. I don't disagree with that. So I think that if there's anything I don't like, I don't like the challenge. I think most people just piss it up the wall, to be honest. And it's just been my, pointless. My team but are pretty bad at it. There you go. There's our set of six for this week. A couple of things really in depth. Hopefully we've covered off most of what people would have probably chucked in the discussion groups or on the page. So I'd rather do that than game reviews. If you've got anything else, send it through. Let us know. Power Rankings Brock brought to you by Penrith Solar Centre. They say defence is the best offence. So what defence have you got in place against the nasty situation of rising power bills? Penrith Solar Centre is Western Sydney's leading solar specialist. Whilst you have little control over your team's outcome, the expert team at PSC can give you back control of your power bills. Let the sun work for you, your home, and your back pocket. Save thousands a year in energy costs. It may be the difference between good or great seats to the NRL Grand Final. Contact Penrose Solar Centre today on 1800 20 or www.penrosolar.com.au. Discuss how they can make you the real winners this season. Power rankings, Brock. Who's your one? Penrose. Yep, I've left the pennies at one as well. Mm. Lots of players out on the weekend. It was ugly, but they got the job done. Got done. Uh, and they've still got troops to come back. Number two. Storm. Yep, with mm. the Storm also. Uh, scrappy first half, but dominant second half. Ticking along, and it doesn't matter that they're not at home. They've played at seven different grounds. They've been away from home for five weeks. They just get through whatever's going on, and it doesn't make a difference to their football. Mm-hmm. They find a way to get over any hurdles. Number three. You've got the Roosters. I've got Parramatta. I think getting a couple of players back this week. Uh, solid game, good result, scrappy, but wins a win and they're only going to get better. And I, I still think they're looking like they've got a little more energy and a bit more depth at the moment. Yeah, I've got, the, four, I got the Eels. I've four. got the Roosters. Look, looking a little bit flat. A um, couple of guys busted up, losing some of that depth. Hopefully a bit of rest or a bit of a turnaround. I'm not <laughs> sure when they play this week, how much of a turnaround they've got. Doesn't matter. Like we got Saturday to Saturday. But, yeah, I think... They're looking a little busted. I've heard today, I think Boyd Corden is going to be arrested for a concussion issue. So, uh, yeah, I think there's a few blokes there carrying I can only go off their last game and the Roosters beat them. So. Yep. Uh, Raiders at five. I've got the Raiders at five as well. Uh, incredible character, like we said. Defence has been outstanding. They're adjusting with those two new hookers and potentially in the next 
week or two, and we won't know today until four o'clock, but Corey Harawira and Naira and Johnny Bateman not far away. Mm. So mm. reinforcements and good reinforcements at that. Yep. Number six. Seagulls. Seagulls, right. I kept Newcastle there despite the loss uh, and the troops. I just think, mm. again. Well, I've, I've my gut on this is I know the Knights beat Manly two weeks ago. Mm. But the Knights uh, merely improved a lot since then. Newcastle have had a heap of injuries since then and they're not playing as great. So I've bumped the Seagulls right up. I think their last two wins have been uh, full of merit. Uh, they run into Penrith this week, so that'll be a bit of a litmus test. I'll probably expect them to lose that game, but I, they won't lose any admiration from me. They're tough. No, nah, uh, it's at Brookvale. They're, they're, again, chipping away with injuries and things going against them as well. I think they've had a couple of dud calls during games this year. So, you know, the fact that they're in the eight, despite all the little bits and pieces that have had go against them. They're still with a positive winning record. Yep. So, yeah, I'm, I've got the Seagulls right up there. I'm with you, but I've just held for one more week because they've both got tough opponents. They've got the Panthers, <coughs> like you said, at Brookvale, and Newcastle, I want to yep. say, their response against Melbourne this week. So, seven, I've got Manly. I think Manly have been great. Uh, hopefully some troops to come back in the next few weeks, but they've wrestled yeah, so back look, some momentum after a couple of poor losses. Yeah, seven, I've got the Tigers. Well, I bumped them up ahead of Newcastle, um, just based on form. I think they were good on on uh, Thursday night. I know again it's another game they've lost. The week before that, they destroyed the Broncos, forty eight nil, and then a disappointing loss, I guess, the week before that with South. But I've just got a belief that uh, the Tigers are a top eight side this year. I, I think I just think they're better than um, a few teams below them. So uh, I've got the Knights at eight. I'll put them down at eight because I think that's probably where they are right now until they, they earn some victories over those teams above them and they prove that they're, they're going to be able to make the eight with those injuries and with that lack of form. Uh, my issue around Newcastle also is there just seems to be some crossing of wires in terms of roles and who's kicking and who's the dominant half on the field. And, uh, you know, I guess that comes with chopping and changing at nine. But it looks like. I don't know whether Ponga's playing 5'8 or whether he's playing fullback. He's playing almost exclusively down the left-hand side. He's doing a lot of the kicking. Yeah, they just look a little bit confused at the moment yeah. for my Newcastle. You know, I've been, I've been a little bit cold on Newcastle now for probably three weeks. Well, I didn't have them in my eight to start the season. My opinion changed once I saw that forward. See, track, I, I did. The way I, they're I, going I, I thought moment. they were really good. And, I think, uh, but yeah. now I'm, I've gone a little bit cold on them. Well, I've left South in, but again, I could honestly make an argument for them, Tigers, Sharks. To me, the Tigers, again, they haven't beaten them. They couldn't beat Parramatta. They've struggled to beat all these teams just ahead of them. Then you've got the Sharks who, every time they play someone around them or under them, they're not just winning. They're setting them on fire. But on the weekend, realistically, Mm. they did their best to almost give that way, game away. South, to me, it's more just on the quality of the players, and I still don't think they have the forward pack, but I still expect more from Cody Walker, Reynolds, Cook, who I think has probably been one of the most disappointing. I know a lot of people said, oh, the rule changes will suit. Like, it's one thing to say the rule changes will suit, but again, there's more ball in play, there's more fatigue, but you can't just run for the sake of running. You need to run when the opportunity's there, and I don't think they've got the forward pack this year that benefits his style of play. Mm, He probably hasn't got enough else added to his game yet as far as deception, ball playing, creativity, and getting players over the ruck or a kicking game as compared to, say, like a Coruscant who's not only benefiting because he's playing behind a good forward pack, but he's probably got more strings to his bow. Or everyone's saying that Smith would struggle under these rules. But again, that's a crock of shit. Yeah. He's benefiting off fatigue and he's always been on the back foot and being one of the smartest players on the field. Like it's not all about just being able to run. Running has to have a point of when you're going. 
been able to advance the football, attack space, put somebody in a better position for you, not just picking the football up because you think a ruck has been a bit quick and forcing mm. yourself on. And uh, yeah, I, I still expect more from them. They've lost a couple of players as well. But look, the the mission from mine is probably Cronulla. Uh, they run into the Broncos this week. I expect them to win yeah, that game. They deal. then run into Parramatta, uh, the Titans, and then Penrith. So I, I, I want to see them compete with Parramatta. One of those and teams, yeah. And then I'll put them in my eight. Yeah, and I think again, I just the Tigers for me again. They haven't really been able to punch up yet. They've been close in a lot of those games, but they just can't seem to jag one. So see us. We've got a week sitting here at eighth. They've got the Dragons this week. Realistically, again, well, Sharks uh, got a great draw. Yeah, and again, they've won all those games they should have won. Mm. So they've put themselves in a position where even if they do keep losing, given the way the season's gone this year, and good positive for and against, that they're putting themselves in a position to fall in the bottom of the eight. Yeah, it's going to be tight. It's going to be so tight. That's brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre. Again, if you're looking for a system heading into summer, there is no one better. Contact them today, 1800 20 29 30 or www.penrithsolar.com.au. Reviews of the games from the weekend. Eels, Tigers, uh, Parramatta come out on top of that one. The Tigers early, applying the blowtorch. Luciano getting over nice and early. Harry Grant there isolating Reed Money for a crash over, and they were certainly up for it. But the Eels struck back quite quickly. Sivo uh, getting in. They're having a bit of a field day, picking on that right-hand side like a lot of teams have of the Tigers this year. Dewey, not long after, fires back with Nofaluma. It was back and forth. They got themselves out 12-4, but just before the end of the half there, Parramatta... Seize control of the game. That tip on from an offload from Davey, who's been pretty good for a 28-year-old in his first two games, gets Gufferson to put RCG straight up the guts, and that was a cracker troller for a front rower and end of the half. Dewey caught up in the line. Clearly been doing some video there. Moses puts the chip and chase in on play two, and to be honest, for the second half, I, I kind of felt like Parramatta had more of the running, probably should have chalked up a few more points, but uh, it was pretty much their game from there. Pretty predictable game, yeah. Tigers tried to rattle, rattle them early and mm. didn't work, and Class prevailed. I think... RCG, to, to me, look, is no, the best prop in the game at the moment. Mate, between him and... Been banging on for six weeks about it. I know. and Paulo played 65-plus each yeah. and were outstanding. Well, RCG played 80 the week before. I think Lane again and that left edge, him, Brett, like that left edge is great. Jennings is in best form. I know it's a contract year and a lot of people bring that up, but I think just generally that whole left side are really well connected, playing really well together. Gutherson, I know a lot of people are high on. I have to acknowledge the form. Um, again, I still don't think he's got as many strings to his bow as a lot of those guys, but he's not as naturally gifted. But my God, he's worked on his game. Mm. His ball playing and his kicking game, the tries he set up, his effort. Like, he can't doubt his energy. That's the one thing about him. He's just, he's involved in everything. But Moses would be better for the run. Oregon, Kafusi, Ray Stone, there's a couple of guys that are coming back soon for them. So there's some good building blocks here after a couple of flat weeks and losing a couple of bodies. Yeah. The Tigers side of things, you know, Grant was good as always, I think. LIA has become, you know, one of those guys that some clubs probably should have looked at, but he's one of the better players now for the Tigers. There's no doubt about that. Uh, it was horrible to see what happened to Cheekham. Well, I was on night shifts, so I only got to see bits and pieces, but when I come home and saw that next day, that was horrible to watch. Yeah, um, bad. That was sickening. Was the Madison thing, I know some fans out there were happy about that. And call it, like, you can't celebrate people getting hurt. Like, good carry. You know, no, it's poor form. Good, good impact, but you shouldn't celebrate people's yeah injuries. And, what and, um, what packet did was ordinary? I, I was happy for the collision and yeah, like everything within the spirit. But yeah, don't celebrate injuries and like fans out there because you left the circumstances. There's a million things that have been thrown out there, and again, nothing's been confirmed. So I don't know why. You know, it's it's, it's done now. He's gone. He's moved on from the club. The Tigers are doing quite well. Just let it go. 
but there was a lot of lot being thrown around there. I really thing I really enjoyed was Sean Blore going after Nathan Brown. Yeah, so did I. Out our way, we had a. Got well, we've had a had a heap to do. I spoke to his mum, um, in, in mum and dad last night just by message. I sent him a message on Friday night. Mm-hmm. I sorry Thursday night, just saying, um, congratulations because, you know, they they put a lot of time and effort and made a lot of sacrifices for, um, their children. You know, like they're a Mount Druitt family, uh, put their kids through years and years of club footy through private school. Uh, well, I think Dean went to... Uh, oh, they both went to Hill Sports High, I think, Dean yeah. and Sean. Um, you know, they made a lot of sacrifices. So to Kev, um, Otago and um, the family, they've... Um, congratulations. Yeah. Outstanding. It's, and again, Sean... It's just good to see good young kids who, you know, haven't had the easiest upbringing. Nah. Make, make it, good. And the other thing as well, like his pedigree, he's, he's followed it through. He was a outstanding schoolboy player. He's done all the hard yards. He was highly touted. He was a New South Wales and Australian schoolboys captain under 18s. He had a bad injury last year. Penrith obviously loaded up and he's found a pathway and he showed his wares in one game. And the kind of attitude he's got, and I'm sure he'll play a lot more first grade. And uh, His brother Dean, who we had a, probably a little bit more to do. We had more to do with Dean, yeah. Still there at Penrith at the moment. He's another one who was kind of <laughs> overlooked early and had to go elsewhere to get an opportunity and Penrith brought him back, realising they'd made a mistake and he's still in their system there. So going to be hard to get a run. Was in the first grade squad with the quality of halves they've got there, but there's nothing to say that he doesn't end up in another club um, and play some grade. But good kids, good family, but great to see him play first grade. Yeah. So uh, Parramatta train rolls on. Get a couple more players back in the next few weeks, and I'm sure they'll be looking to keep themselves firmly entrenched, in particular in those one and two spots. So if they get a home final at Bank West, even if it is with a limited crowd, given the year that is COVID, uh, that could be a huge advantage for Parramatta. Yeah, but they soldier on. Manly Cowboys. Uh, to be honest, I thought the Cowboys were up to this in their eyeballs, but they just shoot themselves in the foot. Manly obviously got the win, and I thought they were good, but like the Cowboys just can't take a trick. Like no. the Hess drop, Cooper getting there and not being able to control the ball. Arcee with that grubby kick. Sorry, the last play where Hammer makes a break and they scramble downfield and they've got numbers and they seem to stuff it up. They had more than enough opportunities, but. Full credit to Manly. Anytime they got one, they iced it. Searing and early on, I was kind of worried, to be honest, after that try. I thought that was fairly soft. He's been in great form, mind you. But when he crashed over the way that he did, uh, and then Levi getting over from dummy half, I thought, this is going to get ugly. This is not going to be a good night. But to the Cowboys' credit, um, they held on. They showed some fight. Felt typical fashion. Picks that one straight out of the air. He's made a real habit of winning those kind of battles and the Molo isolation and tip on to score that try. It was too little, too late, but... Um, yeah, reflecting on the whole game when I kind of thought at the end when I watched it, like there was there was a couple of moments there where they could have made it a lot closer. But yeah, the scoreboard score wasn't the true reflection of the game. No, nah. Cowboys were great. Uh, I thought they, yeah, probably competed for sixty, didn't they? They had that little slump where Manly went bang bang. Yeah, well, Cust <clears throat> Cust uh, said last year when he got his opportunity <clears throat> that he looked like the right man to keep partnering. DC, they obviously went back to Walker, and Walker had some good games this year, but I just think Custer's more natural at six, and he's an aggressive bastard too. Mm. He's not as scared to overcall the football or get over the advantage line and play straight and run, and he's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder. I'm pretty sure from memory he was a Newcastle boy who was overlooked, so he came to Manly for an opportunity, made good on that, won an under-20s grand final and was man of the match, and again was sort of maybe overlooked to play some first grade, but any time he's got an opportunity, he certainly doesn't lack in effort. But, yeah, he set up that nice try 
where he obviously got through and through the ball on the inside, and then he just ran on a, a play five there and isolated someone and scored. So they've got some questions there whether they stick with him when Dylan Walker comes back in and move Walker to the centres, if that's the case, who misses out? They've got Parker and Suley, who they're pretty happy with. If you've got to push one of those to a wing, Garrick's their goal kicker. They like him. Does Elliot go back to one, but then Tommy comes back in? It's a good situation to have. Let's just put it that way. But I think, if anything, if he doesn't end up in the halves and Walker does come back, he'll definitely take that 14 roll off Lachlan Croker, I'd think. So yeah, that would be more likely the way they're heading. But they're two front rowers again. Tapau sort of woke up the last couple of weeks. Fanua Blake has just been excellent every game he's played this year. DC was pretty good again. And as we said, I think uh, Levi starting to show some good signs. Cowboys, for them, given the season situation with the coach, you just keep plugging away. Um, it's pretty much a write-off, but keep playing the kids. Play Arcee, play Tylungi, play uh, Gilbert. Keep getting these guys in your team. You're Reuben Cotters and Robsons and just develop. And same with Hanno. See what happens with the group, what you can do with them for the back end of the year and whether he's going to be the coach. Morgan's supposed to be back in a couple of weeks. He'll come back in. But I think when you're in a situation like this when almost all the pressure's been relieved and you're fighting for a job and you've got some guys there, just work your way through your, through your roster. Yep. See what you've got to work with. Yeah, the comments he made around, well, I hope they judge me at the end of the um, nine weeks or ten weeks rather than week to week will be better. Yeah, 100% agree. Storm Broncos... The first half effort, yes, it was definitely there. Um, they ripped in. They were very physical. They got stuck into Melbourne. They, they did all the things that I kind of criticised them for the week before. Late in the half, though, conceding that try the way they did to Hughes, which was just him basically stopping, propping and beating two guys without having a hand basically laid on him, really boated as a bad sign for the second half. And the worry was that if Melbourne did get the run early, that things would blow out and croft through that pass on the ground. Fox knees it forward and it felt like from there they just never got the football back. Melbourne pulled them. I will say one thing. Some of the, the tries weren't as bad as what they conceded against the Tigers. There were no. some well-constructed tries. like the, the huge pass to Pappenhausen who came up with as good a pass uh, for the finish to that try was outstanding. But in actual fact, again, you got to play for 80 minutes and they got blasted again. So a lot of people criticised him. Corey Parker in particular, he's been laying the booting considering he was just in the bubble. I kind of find that, you know... Not exactly, probably in the best taste to see that he had something to do with that group and now he's just happy to lay the boot in, but not for no answers. Mind you, it's hard to find any sort of answers for their football and the way they're playing and the whole situation. But as a coach, you know, in that situation with that group, you realistically at the moment, you've got to take any positive you can. I know that sounds crazy, but if he walks in there and he's downtrodden and he just shits on him and kind of what we said before about the O'Brien thing, they're already getting kicked enough and hammered enough and... They need players back. They get, they get Fafita back this week. They might get Turpin back this week. Yeah, they need There's trips. talk Brody Croft is out. There's talk Milford might be out. Boyd will move to one. Uh, Stags came back last week. You're playing a side which is far more beatable than the teams they've probably run into the last uh, few weeks. It's probably a more important game for Cronulla uh, this week. But, um, you know, they're always going to get beat by Melbourne. It was always going to be the severity of it. For the first half, they competed. They were great. Second half, things got out of hand. The white flag probably came up a little. Uh, and it was more around their errors, kicking game, discipline, yeah. just those things that they've Where just they got wrong. Where they handled errors. Yeah, Same just, shit that's cost them all you year. You can't... You need to put in 80-minute performances, not 40-minute performances. But it was a significant improvement on the week before. Did and definitely should have been there earlier. We called for that as well. But the other, the one that I didn't get, and again, all these people know this, they're all hammered Milford and his run meters and this, that, the other. The whole week he was in doubt. He was clearly injured. But they're all carrying. He didn't try. He didn't touch. Like he's busted. Yeah. 
Like, I'm not making excuses for him, but it was pretty clear he wasn't moving too freely. The one thing I will say, when he is healthy <coughs> and Dearden's there controlling the side, the way they connected on that left-hand side for the few plays they did have looked good. Mm. But clearly you're not going to have a massive involvement when you're injured. Darius Boyd is, again, for everyone's talk about him organising the defensive line, like you really don't think the other guys know how to set up a line. It doesn't matter how you organise your numbers or whatever, when you contact shit, you constantly don't have the football and you're always on the back foot. Mm. And you think he's going to run the ball any harder from the back? No. No. So, again, all these complaints like Boyd's best position is fullback. And the, like but it's was, always... Um, he's not going to try... The suggestions are always... You know, it's just... It's always on what hasn't been selected or what yeah. hasn't been done. And everyone's an expert who's not involved and not yeah. there. So, uh, yeah. I can't the Broncos' make... biggest issue is the players they've got available. Mm. Obviously, they're not playing well. No, they're not. And no. there's issues with the coach and the board and all that external stuff. But I'll tell you what will help, having your best players available. Well, if think... they're playing like that with the same attitude and the same results with their best side on the field, he deserves Then you've got a yeah, massive issue. But if you get back this week for feeder, like you said, to go along with Turpin... Stags possibly second week for Stags who was hit. If you got this. Milford and Croft out, like that, that again causes issues. Well, it so. does cause an issue because straight away there, I'd rather have one of those guys in the halves and one of those at fullback. Saying Lodge, Lodge is gone as well. Like he's he's had another injury. Well, he had a reoccurrence in the same knee, I think, but it yeah. wasn't his ACL. It was something else. Meniscus, so. I think. But again, that one when everyone's going, why would you have paid him? We said the same thing. They paid him prior to the rule change. Yeah. If you knew that was coming, you wouldn't have signed him. That's out of their control. Yeah. And the other part to it, again, how did you allocate all this money before David Fafita? Well, whether you agree with it or not, people are saying that's an excuse that the most money they could come up with. I don't think they were ever going to be willing to pay what the Titans are willing to pay. Mm. I don't care what situation they're in. Brisbane in the past, people go, oh, they're not they're exactly what you said. People need to stop living in the past and thinking they're going to get people for less because they're Brisbane. The results are part of it. What's going on there right now is definitely part of it. But nowhere in my mind do I do I think that a Brisbane side of old would have still been able to match the offer or would have been willing to match the offer. That's another thing that everyone's jumped on board with this yeah. week. So good on the Titans for rolling the dice and getting him out of there and getting that one across the line. But it, it's done now. So it's not something to be harped on about. But just like everything else, people want to find any single thing they can just run this Broncos train like. I can't watch Fox half-times on those games and I can't watch Fox full-times. And the sooner they stop putting ex-players on games from teams they played for or have an agenda on, I'll be much happier. Yeah, I agree with like, that. Every time there's a Roosters game, there's Cooper Cronk. Every time there's a Broncos game, there's Gordon Tallis. Every time Michael Innes is on a game, it's a Raiders game. How about if they're such good analysts and whatever else, put them on neutral games so I don't have to listen to bias agendas or bits and pieces for every single team or underlying things that it clearly linked to that side. I don't want to watch it. Yeah. And I prefer the Fox coverage compared to the Nine coverage, but this year, it's just got out of control. Put them on neutral games so I get a proper opinion rather than agendas most of the time. Not all the time, but it's <laughs> very fucking blatantly obvious, consistently. And to have Kevin Wilders, Corey Parker, like, I don't want to hear it. I'm sick of hearing it. I think Kevin Wilders has been good. He, oh, Corey he's trying, Parker's been... He's trying to hold neutral, and rightfully so, because there's a possibility he's probably going to go be going back there. But I still don't want every ex-Broncos player on there who's clearly against the club at this point in time or for the most part has an agenda against this group. And I'm not supporting what the current group's doing. Mm. But I'm sick of hearing it. Put them on neutral games. I don't want to watch the same shit every week. Get them there to do a job and actually talk about football rather than just constantly laying the boot in or Ennis constantly getting into the Raiders. And 
I love the Raiders too. I spent some time down there. I still got some friends down there, but like, it's just not fun to watch every week. Oh, the Canberra Raiders, gutsy, best hooker in the cop. Let's play like just, just shut up. Mm. Put him on a different game. I don't want to hear it every week. Yeah, okay. So, I agree. For Brisbane, uh, yeah, disappointing second half blowout. Melbourne, they were definitely disappointed with their first half. Great in the second half. Cameron Smith had an absolute field day. Papenhuis and Hughes, good combinations. And I think now. Uh, looking at the form of Tino, you'd be very, very happy if he keeps playing that way when he comes to your mob. Because to be honest, I'd be happily happy to say right now, if you said if you could keep Tino or Nelson, I'd much rather keep Tino on consistency and form and everything else. So fingers crossed, that's the uh, form he carries over to the Titans next year. Because yeah, I, I think he's developing into a, a very, very handy player, and it'll be sad to see him go. But uh, yeah, without knowing the lineups, there should be some troops back for Brisbane this week, and they're bloody well needed, that's for sure. Roosters Warriors eighteen ten. Um, it's the last game for a few blokes for the Warriors before they head home. They certainly turned up, and it showed. They made it very, very scrappy, very ugly. The Roosters had a lot of sort of no tries or ugly things there. They were very impatient inside the 20 and tried to force a lot of things. So going into halftime down, I kind of thought, you know, they'd come back out and do exactly what they did, which is just get into the grind, get into the wrestle, and try and wear him down. And basically that second half in the game was one off Luke here. Luke Keery set up a try, kicked him to death, turned him around, trapped him there in half. I think he forced like four dropouts. And again, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't their best performance. They were definitely, I thought, out enthused and out mustered in a lot of areas and the Warriors were up for the contest and they looked a bit flat. But at the end of the day, this is the difference between being a, a top-end side and finding ways to win on shit days or days that just don't seem to work out for you. And um, Yeah, I, I give full praise and credit to Luke Keery for being the one particularly off his boot to get him home, I thought. <coughs> Ugly. <clears throat> it was a shit game Absolutely, to watch. It was a terrible game to watch. It really yeah. was. And again, for the Warriors, you get more frustrated, like we said the other week, because you don't know what you're getting on a week-to-week basis. And I know it's the last game for a couple of blokes, but just fucking play like that every week. Mm. And if you do that against the defending premiers, you'd probably be in the bottom of the eight or somewhere around the mark. But consistency mm. um, on a week-to-week basis, effort, yeah, just... If, if that, if yeah, it fluctuates. Yeah, fluctuates. They've got Alvaro and George Jennings coming from Parramatta. Hetherington's loan's been extended, and my God, it was fun to watch him and Jared go after each other. That was, yeah, it was good. That was entertaining, <clears throat> but um, yeah, they get a couple of guys in there to help. For me, again, if they've got any kids in that top 30 or that system right now they're not sure of or they've got there, I I get the loan thing, but if you've got kids there that you, you think could benefit, even in these hard circumstances, the year's right off. Just play it. Yeah. If Paul Turner, a young half kind of player there, is an option and Egan's out at the moment and you're not – well, Lawton and you can put him back to the bench and play Nick or Eber at nine or vice versa and put Turner in or someone else you've got in that system, just play him. Yeah. Like, I, 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 I – he kind of said as much the other day. Like, instead of teams offering them their untried rookies or non-debutants, they'd rather blood their own kids. I'm just looking at it full stop now going, well, with the players you've lost, you've lost two international wingers – Probably your most impactful front rower in Parsi. And Vuna Yawa has only played a handful off the bench. But if you're going to lose that sort of quality, I'd just be rolling in anyone who I think's got a future, whether they're ready now or not, because it's basically a free roll of the dice. And at least having a bit of a glimpse, if I could. So, see what they do. But they've got a couple of troops on the way. They'll probably possibly talk to a few more. For the Roosters, uh, like we said, they skate through this one. Some concerns about... Boyd Corner with a head knock. Again, lineups aren't out yet because it's before four o'clock, but all the things I heard in the last two days is he won't be playing this week. He's having ongoing symptoms. Yep. <clears throat> Pop the knock at training. 
a couple of weeks ago and it was all good, but he's copped another knock on the weekend and now I think he's coming and going from headaches and other issues. So yeah. they've done a real good job in the past of handling this. They're one of the better clubs at doing it. They gave Kiri extended time off and handled that situation the right way. But it is a concern, like we said before, when you've already got guys that they're managing who have injury histories or issues to now have somebody of Boyd Cordner's ilk who already had a lot of time off because he's got a chronic knee problem to uh, now potentially have issues with head knocks. So um, maybe it's just the week. Maybe... You know, maybe it's just just some symptoms that are lingering and they, they take the safe approach, but I'm not sure. But uh, see how that one plays out. Sharks, Dragons, back and forth in the wet. There's no way you would have expected the game to play <laughs> play out the way it did. I actually thought this game was good to watch. There were some soft tries, mind you, but I just really enjoyed it considering the conditions. The completion rates, ridiculous. But um, There were some good tries in this game. Yeah, some of the low-match <laughs> tries, but crazy game. Back and forth. Obviously, we saw... That poor call, which happened very, very early on, and I think the big difference at the end of the day was that kind of 10-minute period there where the Dragons just opened up and copped it sweet. Sean Johnson, play five, crash over, just digging into the line, and I think Fuimano slips over. Their right-hand side is very, very slick. That try was very, very nice where they stripped him of numbers and got the ball to Katoa, but again, early second half, Woods just literally soft carry, crashes over, tackle around the legs on the line like, they really, really hurt themselves. They, they did come up with, like, the Lomax try on the play five with the grubber kick was awesome. The Dufty drifting across the field late to cut across numbers and flick the Lomax and his throw ball back in that ended up in Ravalawa's hands. They did a good job to fight back, but if you really want to isolate a period as a coach that you'd sit there and go, you want to, <laughs> you want to know why we lost. You, that 10-minute that period, they just absolutely fell apart, conceded three times and then conceded a shit front row crash over. In the second half. There's almost a 15-minute period there where you've conceded four tries. And, again, I don't want to keep harping on about it, but it coincides with a lot of the changes when they bring their middles on. Merrin got hurt early, which doesn't help, but I feel like when him and Kerr come on, their middle just kind of opens up a bit. Mm. Kerr's really good with his carries. He's good near the line. He's got a good bump, but laterally, he's someone, especially in those kind of conditions, that you really want to isolate and pick on. Uh, Ford... More known as an edge coming to the grades. He was playing in the middle, not overly dominant or oppressive in that game. I still think he's, you know, one of those guys that's sort of fringe playing in error right now. And then you have Host, who, again, is just up and down throughout the grades. So, um, yeah, they, they, they need more help there. And it, it's a player like Tarek Sims last week getting suspended, which hurts you probably having a better rotation. Mm. So it's one that got away. That, yeah. That's one. If they wanted to play finals footy. That was one they needed to win. Team around them, close game, opportunities blown at the end of it. Controversial call, yes. Yeah. However, not good enough to overcome it and uh, pay the price. And it was a direct stepping stone, like you said. Would have brought them level with the Sharks yeah. to then Huge. play South this week, who are, again, a level with them. And that could have dragged them right in to possibly being in the bottom of the eight. They're still alive, but yeah, they're on the back end of, uh, like I said, those teams that are in with a chance. But Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think... The biggest thing to come out of this kind of period for them, there's definitely been an improvement in effort and attitude. Dufty and Lomax have just come out of their skin. Mm-hmm. Lomax, like we said, I'd seen all the junior stuff and knew he was a good player, but just questioned the mentality of the bloke and how they come up with that figure and that deal they did, given his form and barely been able to hold a spot in grade. But I don't know what's happened in the past six probably weeks in particular. I don't know whether it's just finally realising I'm an NRL player or something that's happened within the group or realising centre's where he's going to be, but his form's been incredible. And Matt Dufty, the same deal. Almost every week, the most threatening player on that field for them 
you know, yeah, you might make an error here and there at the back or get caught out size-wise, but uh, a lot of the good stuff that happens in their attack comes off Matt Dufty and Zach Lomax. But, um, yeah, still a decision to come moving forward with the hooker situation and the half situation. That can't go on the way it's going to go on. No, it's got to be resolved moving forward from a cap issue and from a team issue and a balance point of view. But uh, yeah, something's got to give long term there. Sharkies, I uh, thought Rudolph was really, really good off the bench, and Royce Hunt. You when I talk well. about when I talk about benches coming on and making a difference. Jesus Christ, he was massive. He chalked up yep. plenty in a short stint on the field there. Uh, as we move on, Raiders South, three tough games in a row. Unlucky to lose the Melbourne one, but two tough ones against the Roosters and South. Uh, all ugly tries off kicks. First one, you know, the tap back, Cotrick wheels around, gets in. The Reynolds deflection. Croker does very well in the conditions to pick the footy up. And obviously, the Valor may at the end of the game. Or, yeah. It's it's not great, but again, they won that game off the back of their defence. They absorbed for long periods of time. South had twice as many opportunities inside 20, and they just did not relent. There was multiple times where you thought they were going in. They get enough on Burgess to make him ground that ball short. Rapana, when he spun Reynolds back around and stopped him from going over, there were so many times there where you thought South had him and they just couldn't ice it. And Canberra, basically it felt like for the back end of both halves, you were just watching them defend for 15, 20-minute periods inside their own territory, partly contri- contributed by themselves with errors and other issues. Ryan Sutton had a horrible night with the distractions. I think he ran into about three blokes. He cost them one of their tries actually as well. But on the back end of that, he made 58 tackles and like a lot of their middles, just huge efforts to make sure they stayed in that game. Yeah, a game that South had plenty of chances to win, but they just couldn't ice it. Uh, Canberra just were gritty. Canberra made a lot of errors. They kicked out on the full. Yeah, Jackie uh, didn't have a good night. I think he nah, made three just... or four and kicked out. And ja- uh, Williams was okay, but yeah, it definitely wasn't a great night in terms they of... They lost Nickel Clockstad, which was... Yeah, it hurt them. Uh, that, but they just... Played the conditions uh, well. They didn't play conditions well at all, but the grit got them over the line. South's attack was the most alarming element out of this game. They threw the ball over the sideline, um, you know, dropped the ball over the line, pressure passes, side to side footy. And again, playing. I think Reynolds Reynolds is really out of form at the moment. He's he's not digging in the line. He's not running a lot, and it's I think it's hurting Cody Walker. Uh, on that left-hand side. Reynolds needs to do a little bit more on that right-hand side. Even his kicking game probably isn't up to scratch on where it is. Cook, I thought, found the formula the week before at the back end of that Newcastle game where he was running and running and running. and uh, He sort of went away from it a little in this game, probably because Canberra's defence and ruck control was a little bit better probably than what the Knights was at the back end of that game last week. But You know Souths are doing well when they're Rolling and getting quick play balls and Cook's getting out. That's when they're dangerous and the trolls in and floating around. That, that well, he's obviously not playing at the moment, but yeah, but that's you know that's their best style of footy. You know, in this case, it would have been Alex Johnson floating in and around the footy. He just didn't see a lot of it. And then once they get going forward in that direction, it brings their halves over the ad line and they look to run and, and dig into the line a little bit. But well, particular walk, they just seem to be catching passing, catching passing, and just trying to play around teams at the moment and play corner post footy but yeah it's I think it's one that really got away from South probably two games now that have really gotten away from South they probably look at it and go well we could have won both those games and Bennett said as much last week you know like we, we beat ourselves but this one I think Canberra's defensive resolve probably forced them to play sideways and 
Um, they had their chances, South, but just couldn't ice it. I think the one real positive for them and the one focal point is still probably Sewer. Sewer well, is doing... improving every week. He's doing a real job on halves. He's hard to handle. He's physical in defence. He got a nice offload there back to Reynolds to score his try. Um, but, yeah, it is probably a bit too sideways. They lost Johnston early. Corey Allen had to go into the back. But given those conditions, and I said it the other week, having lived down there and played down there, <laughs> on nights like that when it's soaking wet, you've got to do what Canberra did. Grit. Forget how you score the tries. Like you take what you can get, but defensively, it's horrible. It's it's a hard place to play. You've got to just knuckle down, play through the guts, take what you can get when you get it. And I thought Canberra did a better job playing up the middle. Louis Papali to pine off the bench, like all those guys. They got a couple of one-on-one strips. Just all the little things they did to keep themselves in that game and play those horrible conditions. Whereas South, I thought at times, yeah, probably a little bit too sideways, in particular inside twenty. And the frustration showed. I saw Murray give away a couple of penalties for the first time out of frustration. And, yeah. Uh, a bit of niggle. Like, you don't generally see him doing those sorts of things. And uh, Tommy Burgess, obviously, I thought had a, a very, very good game and got close to scoring. But, yeah, not a great night for them. And, uh, yeah, they had a couple of reshuffles themselves. Like, who'd end up there? When he got Jack Johns on the field, when Johnston went off, wasn't he? Put Allen to the back and Bailey yeah. Searin and out to the centres. They've kind of lost Burns, Roberts, a couple on their outside back. So they're working through some stuff there on their edges as well at the moment. But I guess I already said at the start of the year, I wasn't big on their forward pack, but their depth has definitely been tested now with just a few injuries. So um, Seattle have got some things to work on, that's for sure. Canberra, haven't seen the lineups there probably 40 minutes away now, but do you think Harawir and Ira will be straight in this week? Yeah, you think so. If he's fit enough? When do the teams have to be known by? Four o'clock is when you get all your teams. So we're still 40 minutes away with the time of recording now. But, but don't they gradually come in as they're posted? Uh, Warriors, I'll, I'll have a Warriors are generally the only one that's early because of the different okay. time zone. You generally don't see. There's no time zone difference over here. No, I know that they're here, but they generally list it. I don't know why earlier. They always seem to be the first one. But I think Bateman last week was named in the 21 after the fact when the media blew up and said he was close to playing. The Raiders apparently come out and said the only reason he was named in the 21 is because it's the only players we've got left. We had to name 21. So yeah. whether that's a bluff, a lot of people are saying he's good to go this week, but Harawira Naira, I guess, depends on how much he was training when he was isolated from the club. If he's trained up, ready to go, I'm sure he'll at least be on the bench. Um, but for the back row they've had at the moment, I think they've done a pretty good job. I think Hudson Young's done a pretty good job coming in and playing. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> whether he comes straight in or not, it's still just a very handy recruit to be bringing in given their, their current situation. But... Yeah, good result. Charles Nicolod started looking one to three weeks, depending on that finger. I think they said there's no tendon damage, which is a real positive, but uh, a compound dislocation. I thought all their middles were very, very good and got them home. And speaking of that, I only forgot that before. In that Melbourne game, Momorowski, I read today, didn't even know. Only played like 10 minutes, but apparently ruptured a tendon in his finger. And I thought, okay, that's what's that mean? He's out for 12 weeks. Wow. So... They're already thin in the outside backs. I think Branko Lee got an injury as well. They're, so this week, they're going to be struggling to pick some backs. Mm. Marion Seve, who I'm not the biggest fan of, is probably going to have to play this week. So they've got some injuries in there. But yeah, for Canberra, hopefully some reinforcements coming on board this week to help out in that situation. But a real gritty win for them. Dogs, Newcastle. I don't know what else to say. Other Rough than old game, that one. This just personifies, personifies the Bulldogs. They mm. played the conditions. They were up for it. They kicked, they rolled upfield, they got into what wet weather football is. Playing one out through the middle, small angle changes at times, just trying to get blokes slipping over or falling. Good kicking game. 
put it in the end goals, put it on the ground in the shit conditions, and it led to a couple of tries for them. They got a crash over, they got a couple of kick errors and just pressure, even in the second Field position. half. That's the other thing. Even in the second half when it felt like Newcastle were strangling them and getting back on top, they just kept getting rid of the football and they kept turning up defensively. They did concede. The first half, they were almost perfect. They Their were. completions were perfect. They made one error, I think. Unbelievable. Newcastle just did not respect the football <clears throat> and the conditions. They were completed at about 60-something percent, I think, the first half. They bumped it up a little bit, but that, and I just think a lot of guys there weren't as committed as what the Bulldogs were as a whole. Four and kicked and led from the front, Tolman, those kind of guys, they all dug in, did their job. Yeah, and Newcastle just fumbled, bumbled, fucked around, and then with 20 to go, thought, well, we better get our ruck together here, and they did, to their credit, they, they were coming to get them late, but they, the clock beat them, and yeah. the fact that they were just ignorant and ill-disciplined for the first 60. The, the injuries are the had a huge impact. The weather had a huge impact. Yeah. But the Bulldogs adjusted, played better to weather. The Bulldogs obviously didn't have the injuries that Newcastle had. Uh, Newcastle were by far the better side for the last 20. Bulldogs were by far the better side for the first 60. Yeah, and deservedly. <clears throat> so they got the result. Yeah. If they would have lost that one, that would have been harsh. Well, they probably deserved to win the week before. So, and again, we talk about troops. Roster in general is not as strong, but they've lost a few of their better players. Elliot Hopawada, et cetera. And like yep. we said, Harawir and Iron, those guys away from them before a ball was even kicked and now not going to be there. So they're down on a few blokes as well that could potentially make their team yeah, they, better. They but can't afford to lose them. No, <clears> but <throat> in the first place. But Fitala Mariner was excellent again. Thompson, and I think Meany going back to one was the right decision. He was, he's been really, really safe. And in those conditions, going back to play against the club that let him go, I'm sure he would have been very satisfied with the result and the way he played. But yeah, Jackson was good again. He just plays tough. Yeah. Tolman. For Newcastle, the two standouts for me, that are the whole reason they stayed in the game were Barnett and Mann. Man's movement to nine made no difference. His kick chase efforts, his kick pressures, he got on the ball in great position a few times. He forced some dropouts. Barnett's just a nutcase. I've yeah. always loved Mitch. Um, he's got some rough edges. He does does cop a suspension or, or you know get penalised here or there, but you can't question that that's a guy that is great to have in your team and rally the troops to no, some no. extent. But I think those two were the whole reason they got back in the game. They were excellent. Uh, Jacob Safidi's definitely stepped up. I was disappointed, if I'm going to be completely honest, in Clemmer. I know he's probably not a wet track horse, but I, I really thought he was dawdling in those conditions. I don't know if it was, again, give him benefit of the doubt, struggling to keep his feet or what he was doing, but I think Safidi showed the way a few of the times he wound up and he went through it clean. Mm. But uh, I really thought the heavy track obviously didn't suit the big dog, but nah. um, yeah, I was expecting probably a little bit more from him, Pierce, and a couple of those guys in that game. Yeah, And it seemed to be a few of the lesser names or... Guys you wouldn't expect to contributed a bit more. The last one of the round, Panthers-Titans. Uh, really good first half, and then all that work was undone in a 10-minute period, basically. They looked as though, even without all those troops playing, that they were going to get away with that one early. Skipped to that left-hand side, isolated a few times, found a couple of uh, pretty easy tries. Crichton's try just seemed to be working them over. And then late in the half, Fogarty picks up that ball, Runs away with it. Really, really good effort there. Don with that late try in the grind. And uh, before you know it, going into halftime, I think uh, Ivan would have gone from being very, very happy to, I wouldn't say irate, but severely disappointed. Yeah, they leaked. They leaked when they didn't really need to. Uh, but then they were missing some players. The Titans, I don't think you can underestimate the impact that having to travel the same day has on some of those teams as well. Like, airport and fly up and fly back um, Penrith didn't handle it real well um, 
I never really felt they were going to lose. No. Even when it was a two-point game and Penrith scored that late try to ice it. You just didn't really know where the Titans' points were coming from. It was it was going to be from like an intercept or a knockdown kick, like they had with the Fogarty one. Um, and I think the Don Don's one was from like a, a penalty, and then they got field position on line yeah, break, they, and they, they had two at marker on the line, and no one went to the short side. Yeah, so just a, just a stuff up from Penrith's point of the view. The Kelly Taylor one was a good try, but again, goes to that point like you said. Taylor's only play seems to be a roll the dice kick, whether it yeah. goes dead or stays in. Like you don't want to be basing your wins off that. No. Uh, but look, I, I was super impressed with how the Titans defended, especially inside twenty. Yeah, they. they um, I don't think they got the rub of the green with the calls either. A lot of calls went against them. I thought it was a forward pass, the last try, clear forward pass. But I don't think it cost them the game. Uh, I'm just really happy with how they competed. Yeah, well, I'm not going to disagree with you. And I Penrith, think they won. That's what they needed to do. They were ugly. It wasn't their best performance, but they, they got the result. Nah, got the job done. And like you said, good effort all around. Uh, hopefully those troops and a bit more energy comes into the joint knowing what's coming next year. And a few guys probably been put on notice as well that if you want to be a part of what we're building here and what we're doing to uh, do exactly what we said before, roll through some of those guys and see what they can do for the back end of the season. Pretty much seen as though they're out of the finals. But, um, you know, I thought... You're going to be looking at your guys like your Stones, your Hipgraves, this, that and the other, and whether you want to keep them around. I know they dropped for more out this week, but those guys, are they going to stay in your, your squad depth? Are they going to get more game time? Are you going to keep Don around for one more year? Do you go on the market? Spry? Come more in the mix? I think they're the kind of decisions they need to start making now more heading towards next year. But yeah. for me, it's a no-brainer. I know they're probably not going to... There won't be anything around Ash Taylor. He won't be going anywhere. But right now, Fogarty's definitely my lead half and Taylor's second fiddle. And if he's not on board or he's not up to scratch early the next year, I'd have no hesitation if they think that Tanner Boyd, who's got a relationship with Tino, with Moiaki, with um, Fafita, and played schoolboy football and a little bit of football together, that if they punned him all together. But I think they'd be riding on the wall, a bit of a riot act, read early to Ash Taylor next year, that you've probably got about a month or six games to show that you're on board or you're up to standard, yeah. or we'll just head away with the kid. Because they brought him and Tony Sexton there, who are both Australian schoolboys, which guarantees you nothing. It doesn't guarantee you anything, but they've obviously got good junior pedigree. But if they feel that they can get the job done with Fogarty being the lead man and Taylor can't contribute with that and he's not going to be there the year after, I think early, very early next year, we'll see either Tanner Boyd or Sexton maybe get an opportunity, if not Brimson pushed up into the halves, if that's the case, and Sammy or Thompson playing some fullback. But... Yeah, I think Taylor's got a, a period here to prove himself and possibly early next year, but yeah, the writing's certainly on the wall now with the direction that they're heading. And yeah. he needs to pick his game up or they will take guys like your Fogarty's who I'm only having a guess here, but I'm assuming being brought in for a third stint, being a Queensland Cup Player of the Year, went in a couple of comps at Burley, 26 years old. He's definitely not old, not, not super old. He's got some time left to play, but if he's on anything more than 150k, I'd be super surprised. Mm. And he's playing 10 times better than Ash Taylor. Yeah, no so doubt. I think uh, there is some good signs there for them moving forward. But for Penrith, Yo was outstanding. Nath was pretty solid again. I, I think all around, again, it was pretty scrappy. Fisher I think Harris was good. He's awesome always. I, I think you see the difference again, like we talked about a lot of the time last year, the difference between having a nine like Coruscant in your middle compared mm. to a Kenny. And that's no knock on Kenny. He does a solid job. But having somebody... That's what I mean. I, like that. Yeah. Having made it somebody, a little easier for the Titans to compete. Yeah. 
having somebody that demands respect around the play, the ball, and accountability as compared to someone who's probably more of a pass and just tackle sort of player really opens up your edges and the way you want to play your football and having to be accountable to that middle third. So yeah, um, there were some obvious things there, but I, I think the real one, again, that keeps standing out to me every single week, I watched Crichton play some junior football and I thought he was good. I didn't think he was going to explode like this in the NRL though. I don't know whether that He's was. A freak. I don't know whether that's because in junior football he was forced to kind of play one and six and seemed to be more like a facilitator and getting a lot of touches and that. But in first grade, being put on that edge as a centre and just being given early ball and told to run. Yeah, but also good players like, around you. Oh, I get that, but like he just in the junior footy he didn't run as much. It seemed like he was facilitating a lot more. Yeah. Now that he's been put out there in a good team, like you're saying, and just given the ball and being told to run. Left hand, right hand carries, feet, fan, catch putt, like he ticks every single box. Yeah. He's one they've definitely got to lock in. So. A lot of good work happening inside him, though. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that wraps up those tips last week. Moving on to that. You got six. I got seven totals now. You're on 62. I'm on 61. I did another swing. I ended up getting seven but because I swapped on to the Sharks later in the week. Every single week, and I've had a few of them here I looked, we've basically only had one different because things yeah. have been a lot more clear-cut this year, so... The gap was opened up. You got a few in a row, and I now... What am I What am I actually on? How many points? 62. Yeah, see, so 63 in my school comp. Only because... So that, that shows you the difference between... There's not as many games this year that are 50-50. That have been impacted late in the week. Because yeah. I've changed a few late in the week, but it just well, shows you I'm only one, one up in my well, school Our school confidence pool has also been... Like, I had one last week I wanted to change, and I didn't end up doing it. When Parramatta pulled Ferguson that out, I definitely wouldn't have given them five yeah. or whatever I did in our confidence. I would have dropped them. Yeah. Or given Manly maybe a one pointer, but um, obviously, like I said before, we don't have the lineups, so we'll make do with what we've got. Yeah. But the first game is obviously the Dragons up against Souths. Uh, as far as anything, again, off the top of your head, change wise that you'd expect, I'm not 100% sure. No, look, I'm going to tip Souths. Simple as that. I'm exactly the same as you. I think we need to see a result, we need to see something better, and there needs to be more. From that spine, yes, they probably do need a little bit more from their middles, but at times I think when they've got on to Tola, Tom, Murray, I can see some good things happening in all those periods, but they, they need to obviously strike a blow when those guys are on the field as compared to when they get their bench on, which has been ever-changing. Sometimes there's been Mago. Sometimes there's Sele. Last week there was Jack Johns, Colin Matangi. They still haven't figured out quite who they want Yeah, in that rotation. I, I think the only one that's sort of held a consistent spot and he's not really a very impactful player, he's a worker, is Nichols. So they need to do more when they've got their starting 13. Dragons have showed us signs of life. It's just more they don't play for 80 minutes. Yeah, and it's a must win. It almost cost them the Bulldogs game, but they got themselves out of jail from a couple of errors probably on the weekend. They look good in patches, but then they had that 15-minute period where they leaked four tries. Yeah, just can't happen. No. But realistically, a loss this week will put them in a big hole even though they're still close enough to that bottom end, you'd be relying on everyone ahead of you to keep losing and you still obviously need to win games. So uh, we're both on Sears and the opening odds for that without knowing the lineups. Sears are $1.55, $2.45 uh, there for the Dragons. And there you go. Probably fairly close. The line, four and a half. Second up. Tigers versus Warriors, the early Friday game. Now that the Warriors have got a few guys that have gone home, I think this one's a no-brainer. I'm not expecting... A, I'm not death-riding them, but I'm not exactly expecting the same amount of enthusiasm and effort as what we saw last week. I think they'll they'll be up for it maybe earlier, but for the Tigers, th- this is one you've got to win. 
Plain and simple. Yep, Tigers. So, Dicky Dogs. Taking the Tigers in this one as well. As far as players this week, Russell Packer, I'm sure, will be suspended or is going to be suspended. I'm pretty sure that's already been clarified. Cheekham, you'd expect to be probably missing after that. Shouldn't matter. Sickening head knock last week. But, yeah, with the troops that have just left the Warriors. They lose be. here, I'd, you'd almost get the red pin oh. out. Has to be Tigers. They've got to nail these games. Bottom bottom eight teams are going to win. And the bookies all over that one. A dollar fifteen for the Tigers, five fifty for the Warriors. A line minus fourteen and a half. And the prime time game on a Friday, the Brisbane Broncos up against the Cronulla Sharks. Going off what you said, we know that Deedon has to be back at seven. He'll as, be in there. As yeah. far as who the six is going to be, we don't know if Croft or Milford's going to be available. Boyd more than likely will be the fullback. If this is the situation. Turpin back, the word Fafita is that in. they're back. So Stags, Turpin, Fafita, that'll be helpful. I'm still not tipping them. No, not I'm, tipping I'm not tipping them either. For Cronulla's side of things uh, from last week, just I need to see it from Brisbane. Ramian, Even with all those players back, Ramian went off the field with a hamstring injury. Chad Townsend's looking like he's going to be out for at least a month. I heard. So Connor Tracy more than likely to get the start there. He did a good job when he came if in last week. Ramian's out. They will have to bring somebody back in for the outside backs whether that's uh, Nene McDonald and someone gets pushed in or they have a bit of a reshuffle. I'm not sure. They've obviously had some issues with hamstring issues and Moylan and a couple other guys already struggling. But, um, yeah, just off what we've seen so far, you, you wouldn't start tipping Brisbane again until they prove you otherwise. So without seeing the lineups, Show me something. Stick, show me something. Sticking with the Sharkies and the bookies are too. fifty-seven. So I think they're obviously inkling at those changes we're talking about because the odds are pretty close. <clears throat> Brisbane 240, minus four. Is the line the early Saturday game? The Roosters up against your mob, the Titans. Thinking about going into this game with the players that are missing, potentially. And now Corden have been spoken about being missing. I think the line might be too bad here, given what happened last week. I'll be but, taking, yeah, taking. Uh, I'm tipping the Roosters. Well, yeah, obviously. But if Corden and a lot of these guys are out and still, uh, you know, a few blokes carrying some wounds, a dollar oh six are the Roosters. The Titans are nine dollars twenty two and a half start like. You could probably push that as far as thirty and a half if you're that worried and still get a buck fifty. I don't know. Yeah. But Ladbrokes do two dollar lines, so they're giving two dollars for twenty two and a half points. Of what you saw last week, if the Titans show anywhere near as much effort again and the Roosters lose another player and they're still a little bit undermanned, uh, yeah, they'd be doing pretty well to blow them out by twenty four or more points. Yeah. But still, definitely sticking with the Roosters, both of us. The five thirty game. Up at North Queensland, the Cowboys versus the Raiders. So, hard road trip, but potentially, again, not knowing the lineups right now, potentially Harawira Naira. Bateman may be back on board. North Queensland, maybe McLean comes back in. Not sure about that. I still think, from what we've seen the last few weeks from Canberra, even with that awkward day trip, there's no reason not to go with the Raiders. Raiders, yeah. So, the Cowboys, they've been close in a few of these mm. games, but not quite there. And the bookies, $1.33 about the Raiders, three twenty-five for the Cowboys, minus 8.5 the line. And the primetime Saturday game, a good one it is. Manly at Brookvale up against the Penny Panthers. Don't know if they're getting any troops back this week. I don't think Walker or Turbo, they're saying, probably not until around 14, 15, possibly later. Panthers, uh, do we see Kikau? Do we see Coruscant? I don't know. Edwards was with a reoccurrence of a hamstring, usually that... Sometimes he's two to four, maybe longer. Coruscant, I was saying, might have torn ligaments in his elbow. It could be anywhere from three to six weeks. Mm. So if he's not on board and kick out that, I don't think this is a real danger game for the Panthers. Danger game, I'm still tipping uh, Again, not knowing what the lineups are, I'll take the Panthers as well. But 
I will say one thing. If in half hour when the, the team lists do come out, if those three guys are missing and it's at Brookvale, I might be having a sneaky little crack at Manly at 1-12, to 12, I think. So they're $2.40, the Eagles, at home. The Panthers, $1.57, minus four is the line in that one. So, uh, yeah, would, lo- would like to see the actual lineups, but if they're missing as many plays again, that, that might be a fair scrap there at Brookvale. Not a great place to go play games, that's for sure. Hell no. Sunday, two games. Dogs, Eels, rivalry game there, but I think pretty straightforward. I don't need to see the lineups. The Dogs' effort was outstanding last week, but I'll certainly be sticking with the Parramatta Eels. Eels. Dollar twelve favourites, six dollars for the dogs, sixteen and a half is the line. And the last game of the round, Melbourne Storm. I'm pretty sure this will be up on the sunny coast there where they've taken a few of those games up against the Newcastle side that uh Sione Mataudi come off late in that game. I'm not sure what's gonna happen there. The two hookers that we talked about obviously missing. Do they go with Chris Randall and Lino, Phoenix Crossland, Lino, combination of some one of those two. Um Safidi's possibly back this week. They said that might be one to two weeks for Daniel. Regardless of the fact there, uh, those injuries and having to travel up, uh, I'll be sticking with the Melbourne Storm. Storm. Looking at our tips, even without the lineups, identical. Yeah, no surprises. So, any bets you like there? Again, no, hard not, one. There's not been of... able to see <clears throat> lineups probably. If you went, I'd go Storm. Put this one in Storm. Add the bet slip. Para. I don't think you're going to get much. Uh, Penrith. Canberra. What have I got in there? I've got some old bets, too, have I? Still haven't been wiped. What is doing? 276, you could boost it to three. Yeah, I'll take that. For me, I think now, without saying anything, I probably wouldn't mind just manly 1 to 12. You'd get 330. If you're interested in that, depending on the players. Um, if you're going to multi something, there's not a whole lot there. I'd probably look to multi. I think South, similar in that game, are probably a 1-12 to game. I don't know if they'd blow the Dragons out, but I wouldn't mind them. At 1-12, to you'd probably get similar odds there, I guess. But, yeah, it's uh, there's a few there that I think look pretty clear-cut. Mind you, last week, Newcastle, for most people, probably looked clear-cut, and they didn't win, did they? So, um, there's a few interesting games there, but... If Brisbane get some players back, would like to see how they play or how they respond. Yeah. Obviously can't expect Fafita to come back blazing guns after a long layoff with an E first game, but would like to see with him, Staggs, Turpin there, potentially getting them over the ad line and probably a little more pace out of dummy half and line speed if things turn around there. Uh, Newcastle will be interesting to see, like you said, the response against Melbourne. Dragons season potentially on the line or keep themselves in contact against South and South, same deal, to stay in contact with the bottom of the eight. If the teams ahead of them get a win this week and Sharks and Manly and they lose that game and get stuck in that log jam, they'll all be two wins away from the bottom of the eight. So uh, there's a few little storylines, I guess, to come out of this weekend. Yep. So see what happens. But that wraps us up for another week, Boxhead. A lot earlier than usual, different circumstances. Mm. Not sure... What'll happen? Generally, what always happens when we do these things earlier at a different time, but something comes out later that we don't get on board with or well, we missed out. But as I said before, that's what we've got the discussion page for. That's what we've got the Facebook, the Twitter, everything. So if there's anything we've missed, anything we don't discuss, or anything that happens after, throw it in the discussion group. Send us an inbox. Hit us up on Twitter. But for now, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. 
Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where you going? Where you, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.